All right. Happy Monday, everybody. TGIM. TGIM. Everyone. It's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, we are no longer in Facebook jail. We, we served our 30, 30 days uh, and we're officially out of Facebook jail. All, all I mean, three of us or you served? Well, Whose record does it go on? That's it goes on my record. Your, your record. Unfortunately, yeah, it goes on yeah. my record. So I, I took one for the team, Sheriff. There you go. So we're officially out of Facebook. <clears throat> it, it, it's kind of like, it's it's funny that we have, you know, uh, Sheriff Villanueva here with us and then we're out of jail. So it's kind of like you, you, you basically bailed us you out. Bailed us out. <laughs> <laughs> not, that you need ba- not that you need a bail nowadays, but. No, no, you just, yeah, you walk out as if going in Walmart, picking up some stuff. And- yeah, which we'll, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about. But I want to thank you for taking time out of your Monday to be with us. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, last time we had you on, it was... Uh, was it last year or two years ago? I think it was. It was. It was quite some time back. Where, uh, you know, obviously we had a limited time with you, but we enjoyed and we said, you know, we want to have you back. And here you are, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, was, thanks for having me. It was uh, December 9th of twenty twenty one, so almost two years. Almost ago. two years. Almost ago. two wow. years. Time flies. Yeah, twenty two months ago. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But you are running for a new position now. Yes. Uh, you are running for LA County Supervisor District 3, which runs... Four. District 4. Sorry, District 4, which runs from San Pedro, Torrance, all the way to like Palos Verdes, right? Uh, all the way, yeah, through Palos Verdes. The whole Palos Verdes Peninsula, Torrance up, then going all the way around the coast, Long Beach, all the way up to my city, La Habra Heights, the oh, very corner. Long Beach, another city we got to talk about. Well, speaking of Long Beach, a good friend of ours, Voskin, Said to, to say hi to the sheriff. You were down there when the fires happened, and well, not fires, the BLM riots, and yes, he had the uh, retail, the love fest. He had he had a retail store, uh, suit suit uh, store outlet. that was a suit outlet that was burnt down. Ah, uh, yes, I remember, remember yeah, him. Yeah. I was on Pine and Seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Is that where it was? Yeah. See, I mean, again, Long Beach, something we gotta we gotta talk about as well. But uh, before we get into a lot of uh, you know, current events, uh, the reason uh, why a lot of stuff is going on. We want to ask you the most, one of the most important questions, uh, why you're running for LA County supervisor. What made you do this? Well, pretty simple. Just walk out your door, any place in LA County, take a look, walk back inside and you'll know why it's not hard to figure out between the homeless crisis, crime, how safe do you feel with your family out and about on the streets in LA right now? And then the corruption that is rampant, both in the city and the county government in LA, you know, my wife and I were, we're happily retired. We're doing fine, relatively speaking, but our hearts and soul has been in LA County forever. And uh, we just couldn't leave it in the shape it is. And to think that the board is uniquely responsible for most of the situations that are going on today. It's because of their policies, their agenda they've pushed for the last 10, 12 years that has just shifted all of county government to this corrupt, incompetent, just bureaucratic bloat. And, okay, you know, we can put an end to that. It's crazy that majority of the people that we're speaking to that want a lot of change in government are either non-career politicians or now retired people running in office trying to make a change. I mean, you see what's going on in Los Angeles and a lot of these career politicians and sitting politicians, you know, it's like they don't even care. It's like it goes in one ear, comes out the other. 
when are they actually going to wake up? Do they really need to be removed from their seat of collecting all this money that's being dumped into the county, into the cities and into the state for them to realize that, hey, listen, what you're doing is not working. It's for them. It, they just don't really care because their entire career is devoted to themselves as becoming a career elected official. In fact, I remember when I ran for sheriff back in 18 and I had to go to a lot of the same places to, uh, you know, interview for the same endorsements. And I kept hearing about all these staff from all these elected people who are the elects, the elects, this, the electeds, this, the electeds, that typically Congress people that are really, really full of themselves. And I thought, what's, what's up with this whole electeds? Like there's some different breed or something. They put on their pants different, or I don't know what it is. They're better men than us. Or something. <laughs> but when it comes down to the essence of it is the only thing they're good at is getting reelected. When it comes to actually running government, making it work effectively and accomplish what government is supposed to do. Holy Toledos, they have they don't have a clue about that because look at county government. They're responsible for the health, safety, and welfare of 10 million residents. Can you name anything they've done in the last 10 years that improved the health, safety, and welfare of county residents? Well, in the past four years, they've completely screwed up the health department. Well, there, there you have one there between public health and health. Um, look at uh, the public safety, hands down. Look at corruption. Mark Ridley Thomas convicted of felony corruption while he was a chair of the Board of Supervisors, not because of his stint in city council. No, it's while he was a chair of the board. And every single motion that he put out there that was corrupt, it was a sweetheart deal for somebody, who voted for it? All the other supervisors. And they're all there like goals clapping, you know. No. They, they reward themselves as always? Oh, yes. I mean, when you look at... Just go through any board agenda. Look at any item that looks contentious on the board because they meet every Tuesday morning. But in reality, it's just theaters, kabuki theater. The decisions were already made on the weekend. That's just a public performance. Right. Because you look at a contentious one, a prime one. It just happened, I think, uh, last week or so. Uh, the sheriff's department has public uh, parking control officers, PCOs. So they have them parking enforcement detail. It's a 90 employees. $9 million contract, and Holly Mitchell, who hates law enforcement, like no end, well, let's uh, remove it from the sheriff and we'll put it over in public works so they can serve the community better. It's like, how would you that accomplish that, right? And then when they did the hiring freeze, the parking control lost 22 PCOs. So obviously they're short-staffed, which is the biggest problem. So she wants to increase the staffing, but in another department the sheriff's department so you can see the agenda is in because that department would be easier for them to Control. carry out the corruption in a sense oh yes because they'll be the ones telling them who to tow and who not to tow and uh, who gets their tickets uh canceled because oh. of inconvenience and the nine million dollars then goes off the sheriff's department budget goes into another department remember it's the sheriff is the one that's a 24 7 operation with supervisors, with radio dispatch, with the complaint process, the body-worn cameras, the whole infrastructure to keep them safe. Because being a parking control officer is kind of risky business because you take someone's car, you know how hot-headed people are. Right. So you're right, and, you know, it's the fight's on. So yeah, they Sometimes those people use that car as a home, so it's you understand? I mean... There's a lot. So... The parking control officers cherish their relationship with the deputies and law enforcement because they know they're a snap of a finger. They're there to help them. 
and they don't want to change the patch on their shoulder to say public works. That's really going to intimidate, you know. So a public control officer is actually not law enforcement. They're civilians. They're civilians. Yes. And it's just a power grab. But the most important thing about this whole power grab of Holly Mitchell in a small defunding effort is that all the other supervisors, you know, one little comment here or there, but they had no concept of the intricacies of the relationship between parking control officers, law enforcement, and the capacity. So now you as a taxpayer, now you're going to be stuck paying for capacity to be built up for public works that they don't have while you're already paying for the one that the sheriff's department has. So you get the privilege of paying twice for one's service. And, you know, isn't that special? Mm. It's beautiful, isn't it? That is how county government works. Every single agenda item that is, what on earth these people thinking? Say this, say that, question this. They don't. They sound like, you know, you know, the circus when you have all the the seals lined up and those things are going, that's That's pretty much what the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, their board of director meetings, board of supervisor meetings, no one challenges any supervisor or any director about, hey, your information is wrong. Your survey is wrong. They did a survey of like another one, MTA. Oh, the ambassador program. It's an overwhelming success. So now we're going to bring it in-house. And all of the committee there about this. Oh, it's a great program. Look, we proved it's a success. We did a survey. Okay, uh, who did you survey? Oh, we serve riders on the trains and buses and their special app. Okay, so you didn't survey the poor people that don't have phones. Don't have, they're not wired, so they didn't get surveyed. And they're the ones that are stuck on the train because they can't afford their own ride, right? They're not part of the survey. How about surveying the people that don't dare set foot on the trains because they don't believe in ambassadors? Uh, they're not part of the survey either. Only the people that actually saw an ambassador that had a phone was that. And why didn't any other director point this out? Nope. That's, why don't they survey, hey, what do you think? Are you feel safer with a cop or with an ambassador? That'd be like an obvious question to ask, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be a slam dunk, right? No, that's a question they're not going to ask. And this is how government works here in L.A. County. It was a prime example. Absolutely ridiculous survey. False. And that false information is then peddled by the elected officials on the board to say, hey, look, what a great program you have. And the whole ambassador thing is just reimagining public safety. It's what it's all about. Cops are harmful. You know, people are afraid of cops and they don't want to be in their presence because they feel intimidated. So let's get rid of them and try to get them out of the public square. And they're still to this day, they're still doing that while the rest of the country has figured out, okay, that was a dumb idea. We need cops. It sounds familiar. Sounds like something uh, Constantine Constantine would say. Well, he, yeah, police, police, police society or society. I mean, he would want some ambassadors. See, these people, these people, contradict themselves because they say one thing but their actions speak louder than their words you you want a policeless society or a policeless state yet you ask for police escorts when you're traveling why mm-hmm. why okay. why don't you get an ambassador to escort you from one lo- from one location to the other see I, I don't think these people have been robbed or been in a altercation where they're has to be some sort of police activity or, you know, they've had to call 911. 
I think they think. What that, would he do? Would he not call nine one one? Let's say Constantine. Someone try to break into Constantine. Again, zone. actions speak louder than words. They haven't been in a situation like this for them to actually, uh, you know, rely on law enforcement. That's the issue. Well, let's hope he never has to. But if it comes to it, I promise you, he'll be dialing nine one one real quick. I'll give an example. You're gonna laugh at. Remember the summer of 2020, the summer of love in LA, where all oh, the yeah, riots yeah. going on everywhere. Right. It was lovely. The Antifa crowd and the Black Lives Matter supporters, but not black residents of South LA. No, of course, they were all white, and they were not from South LA. Not from the states. Most of them were not from no. the state. Yeah, Florida, Texas, Massachusetts. They were all Seen over the all place. All the license plates. But they're in front of South LA station, trying to vandalize it, making basically an ass of themselves. The local gangsters told me personally, hey, you know what, boss? You know what? If you see some some gunfire, uh, take your time. Because they were fed up with these people blocking Imperial Highway, making a diffo for them to go home, you know, bring food to their family and all that. So I told them, no, don't do anything you're going to regret. He says, okay, you're not. An hour later, we get a 911 call from Antifa. Of course. Someone flattened all four tires of one of the protesters. <laughs> Why'd they call you? Why not call 411? AAA. They called, they called 911, which goes to the same station they're protesting in front of. You can't make this stuff up. That's hilarious. But, but you have to imagine this. Let's say the four of us are in whatever public office position we're in, right? And we attend the meetings. Like you said, we clap at each other like a bunch of seals. We all have six-figure salaries, if not multiple six-figure salaries. I'm afraid to point anything out at you because if I do that, you'll point something out at me and then these two guys are afraid to point anything out at you and me because they're afraid of their losing their own job. So everybody's kind of... It's a circle jerk. Yeah, protecting sense. one another, afraid of losing their own positions. Nobody has the backbone to actually stand up for, I don't even want to say society, for your own family first. What you believe in. And uh, then that will extend to society, right? But these guys are just seem to be these men and women that work in these public offices. It's like, let's just all support one another. Do not disagree with anything. Whatever you do, we'll applaud you so that we can, we can keep your job. I'll keep my job. All four of us will keep our jobs. And then we'll slowly get promoted. And the same thing will continue with the next generation of... You, you hit it right in the head. There is a pact in the political establishment among elected officials. The number one rule is to get reelected. Yeah. I had a meeting with Gil Cedillo. Remember the one that got into hot water with the recordings? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes. of course, LA City. Yeah. This is, but this is back in 2019 when I first took office and he was still a sitting councilman in you know, good standing. And he told me, um, son, well, uh, you, can, uh, you can be a reformer because you know that I'm all about reform. Or you can be reelected, but you can't be both. Wow. He was he was right there. <laughs> but he was thought, right. He was but right. notice how interesting the choice is. Yeah. If your number one devotion is to get reelected, you're gonna support whatever BS comes down the pipe and you're gonna be like that, you know, the, the seal, seal, the, the seal. seals clapping, er, 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 because you're not gonna question the establishment and all the special interests that generate all this garbage. Your job is to just clap away, vote yes, and move on. And then when it comes for your reelection, all the the campaign contributions and all the endorsements will be there for you waiting. And you'll get your reward. They'll pat you on the head and maybe you move up to another position on the ladder. That's how the right. game is played. Yeah. So 
people like me, as soon as I stepped into office and started actually doing things, their reaction was, what are you doing? Um, my job. As a sheriff, the supervisors were pretty much the people giving you the hardest of times. Absolutely. And does that, does that have anything to do with your decision to run for board of supervisor? Uh, actually, not really. Because the job needs to be done. We need to reform county government. You know, there's there's no way around it. How many districts are there? There's five districts. Okay. Five supervisors. But between corruption that runs rampant, incompetence, and the mind-boggling level of waste that we're all footing the bill for, uh, we got to change it because we're on a trajectory that leads us to a very, very, the bad place that we're in, we're getting worse progressively. There is no relief in sight. The housing first agenda, prime example. How's it, Holly Mitchell, supervisor now, but when she was senator, S Senate Bill 1380 wanted California to be a housing first state. And you look at all the, the studies that they claim that's proven, because they always like to say, this is proven strategies, evidence-based. You look at the whatever their literature is, and, oh, my God, this is a tiny study involving veterans. They fell out of a program, got back into a program, and 80% of them returned to the program because they basically kissed their ass and yeah. provided all the services in the world. How on earth are you going to replicate that in the nation's largest county with 170,000 people in the largest, most expensive real estate market in the, in the country. Crickets. Of course you can't, but they sell so. it. They say, look, it's proven. And you look at their, their literature, they link to the study. I read the study. Okay. This does not apply. Who sponsored the study? And that one. That's I'm very sure important. When you look at any study. Is who sponsors who it. Who sponsors yeah. it is the number one question you should probably ask yourself. Like a university of, uh, I think Berkeley came up with a study about homelessness. Oh, they're 90%. They're from here. They're not from out of state. Who sponsored BS. that one? That's the Homeless BS, Industrial yeah. Complex. Because yeah. we all know very well about 80% plus is from out of state. Yeah. That's Easily. our experience. And it, it makes sense why they're here mm -hmm. out of state. I mean, look at our weather. Yeah, that's but the number see, one thing. for That's the one thing that confuses me is, yeah, we talk about the weather, but I was recently in River uh, Riverside County and there isn't much homeless there. Same thing with San Bernardino County. Not much homeless really? there. San yeah. Bernardino has homeless. It's not, it's not as bad as LA County. It's not as bad as LA. It's crazy because about 10 years ago, San Bernardino had, had way more than LA. Exactly. Which is, you know, we were out there looking at a property and, you know, that's exactly what my client said. He was saying, dude, like this area used to be encampments. He goes, I think they're all at Skid Row now. They're all in L.A. now, which when you come back to L.A. and you drive, you know, whether it's, you know, through the 101, through the 405, you know, Santa Monica, Long Beach, Venice Beach, they're everywhere. I mean, where is this, when is this going to end? Because every single elected official who runs, the first thing they bring up is the homeless crisis. Yeah. Homeless crisis. Oh, I'm here sexy. To, yeah, I'm here to fix the homeless yeah. crisis. It's, and they always mention it's a housing issue. Mm -hmm. See, we want to get your take on this. Do you really believe it's a housing issue? Because you firsthand saw it as a sheriff and now you're running for supervisor. Do you believe it's a housing issue? Absolutely not. It is not a housing issue. 
There's only one way to cure the homeless crisis in L.A. And trust me when I say this, you can write this down, you can staple it to your forehead, you can chisel it in concrete. The only way, one, you're not going to build your way out of the homeless crisis, flat out. It's a dynamic problem. The more you create, the more you incentivize, the more you magnetize, and -hmm. you bring in everyone who wants a share of the golden dream, the golden state. Without recognizing that, one, you're an idiot, all right, because you're trying to apply a static solution to a dynamic problem. It doesn't work. By the time you figure it out, okay, that was, you know, that was 20,000 homeless ago, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Now the problem's that much worse. Embrace that concept, understand that, and you got to think bigger. And the rule of thumb in any, any public enterprise, even, you know, private enterprise, your solution has to be equal to or greater than the size of the problem. All the solutions they offer are tiny little things that don't even address the scope of an expanding problem. Once you understand that, you have to build mental health institutions, residential with step-down capacity from the most egregious, dangerous, foaming at the mouth, trying to eat people's eyeballs out, all the way down to outpatient community base. That entire thing has to be built. There's no one attempting to build that. Men's Central Jail needs to be torn down, and a mental health treatment center needs to be built in his place, in his footprint. The one that the board voted not to build in 2019. Do you know they paid an $80 million penalty not to build it? You're what? kidding me. And who paid for this $80 million? We you did. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much was the overall project? That the overall project was, was about $1.7 billion, if I recall, at the time. Wow. They had the money. They had the financing. They had the designs. They had all the construction. Everything was lined up. But they got a big, oh, you know what? All the activists really say, let's just decarcerate because you can't get well in a cell. They had all the choice little phrases. And then this big. Decarcerate? Yeah. yeah, Decarcerate. Meaning release them. Yeah. Decarcerate the abolitionist crowd. They believe there should be no prisons and no jails. That crowd. Well, they just swarmed about 200 of them into the chambers of the Board of Supervisors. And the board, oh, let's seize this moment. And they said, okay, let's cancel the project because it's an expansion of the jail. And the citizens are against it. Yes. And that citizens with those 200 activists who were taking selfies of themselves like it was a historical moment. Well, now, fast forward four years later, we're still going to have to build that. And it's going to be a higher price tag. Now oh, you're looking yeah. probably at two point something. Easy. Who knows? Plus, you already paid the $80 million. Right. Yeah. Plus, all that you lost in the prep. That was 10 years of work that was just thrown down the drain. That's bad. So that's one thing I said. Let's not lose track. Got to build a mental health institution. We start with that. L.A. County Medical Center, the big behemoth at White Monster. It's sitting USC, aching. The old USC building, right? You can house a couple of thousand people yeah. in there. Easily. Convert into a psychiatric hospital. Let's get it going. We used to have psychiatric centers. We used sure. to, yes. We still do, but there's only like 15, 20 beds per hospital, yes. and they're always fully occupied. I mean, what's they, 15, 20 beds? It's a Compared to change. LA, it's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. You can get a waiver to build psychiatric hospitals, but apparently that rule, I think it was actually 16 was a number. That was a federal rule because they wanted to ban the, uh, you know, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's next, yeah. the, the yeah, old mental course. health institutions. So when they put out the Landerman Petra Short Act in 1967, 
that started the process of let's get rid of all the mental health institutions and we'll convert into community-based care. Everything sounds real nice. Oh, we're going to do this. It's, it's wordplay. It's all wordplay. <laughs> they didn't do anything. They kicked them out of the street and that's how Skid Row accelerated and grew. And now you add in all the drugs and all the Prop 47 and everything else, and it's just exploding here. So St. Vincent Medical Center, another empty hospital. Still empty, right? Still empty. Owned by the owner of the LA Times, surprisingly. That's three locations right there. One that requires a teardown and build up. Two hospitals sitting empty. My focus is on building institutions that can house people that are going to die on the street. Because right away, the activists say, you're criminalizing poverty. No, we're trying to prevent people from dying in the gutter like a dog. Five to six a day die in the streets of LA, either drug overdose or medical condition that they never got treatment for. Yeah. Preventable, you know, curable things. We have to fix that. So that's number one is build mental. Number two, build substance abuse capacity. You got to repeal Prop 47 because Prop 47 reduce the penalties from felonies to misdemeanors on a lot of drugs. In all those treatment centers, they were full to capacity with patients. As soon as they removed all the uh, carrot and sticks that got people into treatment, they went to the street to smoke and they never returned. And a lot of those treatment centers went belly up for lack of patients. Mm. So the author of Prop 47 has probably killed, probably at this point, tens of thousands of Californians because of that idiocy. That are are accounted for, basically, at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. So that's two things you need to build. Third one is emergency shelter. That's it. Emergency shelter. We're talking World War II barracks style. It was good for the troops. It's going to be good for someone who doesn't have a roof over their head. And nothing else. We don't build permanent housing, $800,000 condos with a beach view in Venice, with someone's going to deliver your food to your door and all that nonsense. No. They don't understand if you do that, you build these state-of-the-art facilities for them to live in for free, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have an influx of people from every state just coming in. It's not that they don't understand. They understand it better than you and I do. But they're taking advantage. Yes, because look look at the cost. I remember they were going to build this facility. I forget exactly the name of it, but... The average cost per unit was going to be seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. seven hundred. I'm not a contractor, Are you kid- but I can tell you, joke, it doesn't man. cost seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars a unit to build a facility. Wow. Now, same That's- thing with, for example, when you look at during Obama when they built the uh, covered California website, that thing cost a billion dollars. Joe can vouch for it. I, I'm sure Joe can build it for $50 million, if if that. But a billion dollars. So where's all this money going? 875000 a unit. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars to build a facility that can be built for tens of millions of dollars. By so the this, way, next year, that 875000 is going up. Is, is going to be 910000 Well, woohoo. Fantastic. I mean, I remember the. Did you share that restroom where the. So the state built a restroom, public restroom. Pretty much four concrete walls and a you know you have to use a stainless steel toilet for it. The state took six months to build at a million dollars, where if you and I were to build that, it would be under hundred thousand dollars for a simple park restroom. Mm-hmm. 
That's the thing. The money has to, everybody, and the time everybody's too. They getting waste paid the time and the money. under the table, back end deals. It's, it's simple. Look at, look at Venice. There's a parking lot in Venice by the beach, a block from the beach. Mayor Bass wants to convert that into a uh, affordable housing and homeless shelter. A mixture of the two. Um, in Venice. In Venice, which is a nation, one of the nation's highest uh, real estate markets, right? Right. But what the cost per unit is re- clo- closing on the 900000 to a million. Just move 10 miles inland, you can house 10 times the amount of people because of the drastic drop in the cost. Yeah. Not to mention, you're not impacting the tourism industry in Venice. Exactly. Right? Which they seem totally like they don't even know what that is, the tourism industry. They lost it. Yeah, they lost Venice. They lost Hollywood Walk of Fame. They lost Olvera Street. We clawed them all back the hard way by cleaning up the homeless. It's Hollywood now, Boulevard, especially, you guys did a really good job. Now it's creeping back, and they're losing it again, unfortunately. And that uh, <clears throat> it doesn't bode well for L.A. County. It's always follow the money. Like, yeah. like Levy mentioned now in, in the previous episode about if, if these coordinators, organizers of the homeless um, epidemic are getting paid quarter million dollars a year, why would they fix the problem and then they'll be out of a job? I got a worse number for you than that. We found out the top 10 uh, <coughs> CEOs of nonprofits in the homeless oh. industrial complex. Eight hundred thousand yeah. dollar a year salary. Yeah. If you go down to the top twenty five, it only drops to about six twenty five. We're in the wrong business, man. I swear to God, what are, are they doing? hiring? What we're am I doing here? We're in the wrong. Here's business. the sad thing: <laughs> the organization I was running probably has more employees than all of them combined, and I was making less than half than that. With you, a, you with mean a budget. the sheriff's department? Yeah, right. You had how many thousand? Seventeen thousand. Yeah, sheriff, you can't even compare the type of work you're doing. 24-hour service compared to a 9-to-5, these people well, not barely only show that, up three your, days a week. Your life is at stake as well. Yeah. And these people barely work three to four days a week anyways, if that. You have to listen to, you know, Eunice Hernandez? Have you heard of her? Oh, God, yes. She right, Just watch some of her interviews. She's rooting for Gascon. This young lady, Hispanic young lady, who is a city councilwoman, I think now, yeah. right? The way she speaks of these people who get in car, who are taken into custody, she refers to them all as, you know, they disappeared from society, like as if the UFOs came and picked them up and took them for some type yeah, of uh, anal probe. Remember, yeah. <laughs> remember, they they view them as victims and yeah, they're oppressed. Exactly. She, she talks about it like we need to, and she's like just so packed. We need to support Gascon because there's enough. You know, we got to put an end to all these people disappearing. Disappearing. These people are not disappearing. They're, they're committing crimes. They're being taken in. Majority of them are not even staying because because of the policies. Thanks to yeah. again. And, and yet she thinks they're disappearing. So how how do you, that that's the thing when I think about it. How did it, she like, get that position? Somebody voted her in, right? Her yeah. platform was to abolish the LAPD and her residents voted her in. Remember that her 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 council district she was she is what she still is what they call an abolitionist so do maybe the people deserve what they're voting for ultimately the saying is that you get the government you deserve true so if you're ignorant voter people are going to take advantage they're going to figure it out and they're going to pull some stuff and but the result is you have to 
point to yourself because you did not exercise in you know an educated vote when you went yeah. to the sheriff last time you were here you were a sitting sheriff and we talked about the whole metro situation and how there was stabbings going on drug abuse going on on the metro and there was multiple videos of you you know as the sitting sheriff you know on those metro state at those metro stations on those metro rails seeing firsthand what's actually going on so you've witnessed it with your own eyes what's actually happening are these supervisors or city council members even attempting to go witness what's going out on the streets or in the metros because i think if they actually see firsthand what's really going on that's when they'll realize it oh shit i think i think we really do have a problem cuz i feel like they haven't seen it with their own eyes what did what did Governor Newsom <laughs> do to San Francisco? Ruin it. He he, you know, he absolutely not. He he instead of uh, used needles, he's giving away clean needles in for you to shoot up heroin. And then what do we do to re- discipline or reward him? We then elect them to go to governor instead of okay, you 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 messed up San Francisco. I think we've had enough of you. No, we're going to promote you to governor, and now. Potentially, we're going to promote you. Now you ruined California. Now we're going to potentially promote you to president, hopefully. So it's like the worse you can do, the better off you are as a politician, in a sense? Pretty much. The way this works out now, and this is all the far-left <coughs> ideology that has taken control of the Democratic Party. There was a time when Democrats and Republicans, most people operated in the middle. They even campaigned in the middle somewhat. And so when they took office, well, okay. Maybe slightly to the left, slightly to the right, but pretty much the policies were middle of the row where everybody yeah. could say, okay, that's Because there work. was common sense back then. There was common sense. But when the fringes took over with a super hyper politicization or partisanship, now the fringes are trying to actually govern from the fringe. But in California, the one party state of California, that fringe controls the entire apparatus. So you get the bizarre things. You get the Nancy Skinners. You get the Stephen Bradfords. You get the Scott Wieners of the world. I mean, you want to talk about some bizarre stuff that comes out of those people? Look at Constantine. We're right, he's right you're, here. You're right here in your backyard. So that is normal, unfortunately, because Sad. they've gained control of the entire apparatus. You look at the Board of Supervisors, 2020, April of 2020, I worked when I took over the department in December of 18, I had about 9,200 sworn employees. The department under my predecessor was pretty much shrinking because no one trusted the department anymore. The employees weren't recruiting. So every year there was 200 less employees than the year before. So first year, 2019, we hired 1,100 deputies in one year. That's a big number. We changed it. We changed the whole dynamics and the employees themselves are your number one recruiters. Yes. So I had 17,000 people recruiting. It worked. We got it all the up to 9,986. I missed 10,000 by 14. Mm. Sad. But what happened April of 2020, the board unanimously decided to freeze hiring with the sheriff's department. Right at the onset of the pandemic, where you know the potential for civil unrest, just from the pandemic, let alone the George Floyd thing that was going to come a month later. Yeah, let's freeze hiring. And all of our numbers start going down because now we can't replace the people as they retire. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So guess what the number is today? Now we're at about 8,600. So we've lost 1,400 sworn. That's a huge chunk of people, which means 
for emergency situations, civil unrest, uh, earthquakes, massive fires, anything that requires a big manpower pool. We don't have it. It ain't there anymore. So is Luna going to face any type of... Uh, he'll be promoted to. He'll be promoted for losing all the shares? <laughs> well, the way things are now, watch people that endorsed him. I mean, a lot of them have her, you know, regrets now. They're expressing regrets like, oh, my God, I didn't know. But watch some people still try to endorse him two years from now, even though massive record of failure on his watch. They'll and, still endorse him. Oh, they, they will because they can't... Remember, one of the rules besides you gotta get reelected, you can never admit failure. No, you just don't. You but just paper it over. He doesn't need to admit to it. It's on paper. His failures are on paper. These people need to see what's going on in you know the Apple Valleys, the Palmdales, the Lancasters, where you know a nine one one call. You know the sheriff's department runs that area. Now that you're having less and less sheriff. A sheriff's out there it's going to take longer for them to respond to those calls yes in up there in the high desert some calls rolling code three lights and sirens from a 911 call it might still take you 45 minutes to get there mm. here in the basin you, you're you know two three minutes you know yeah. worst case scenario they're there but you go up there no everything is so far flung Spread out, out yeah. oh yeah but it, it just seems that you're, and we talked about this uh, when you were here the first time. As a sheriff, you had the district attorney working against you, and the cons one of the concerns you had and we had was if you were to be reelected as sheriff, that the super, uh, the county supervisor had the power to remove you from office, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's that. That's what I keep on thinking about. I'm like, so how, let's say even, for instance, you, you win District 3, uh, District 3's um, fourth, I mean, uh, uh, supervisor position. You have four other districts that could be working still against you. So how are you supposed to, at that point, resolve anything? Plus you have, at that point, again, possibly a DA that's working against you a uh, mayor, whether it's Bass or whoever it could be in the future, working against you. So how how does somebody with your beliefs, um, the changes you want to make, how do you make those changes a reality when everything is seems to be working against against you? Very true, but there's one thing that's, <coughs> that's the big uh, saving grace. They say sunlight is the best disinfectant. Remember the movie Wizard of Oz? When they pull back the curtain, yes, yeah, there's a man controlling all that. Yeah, see, as supervisor, I get to pull back the curtain on everything. I'm not part of this equation, like you know, just clap like a seal, you know, and move on. I ask the hard questions. So I ask them publicly, and I will challenge supervisor. They're trying to pass BS and make bold statements that I know are false. I'm going to challenge them on them. That's not something they're not used to. That they're used to everybody agreeing in this little pact. Hey, I do my. Mm -hmm crap you do your crap and i'll support yours if you support mine i'm not supporting anything that's unethical unless it advances the public's interest and i'll support if they're doing something right i'll be there treating them out all right yeah. good job now we're now we're going in we're all rowing in the right direction but if all we're doing is treading water and each one's trying to do their little pet projects to you know line somebody's pocket i'm going to call them out on it and they don't have an answer for that because they're not used to that they have to start working is what you're saying yes and 
you don't know how much goes behind the scenes between their field deputies and all these different committees they have. They exclude law enforcement from having a voice. The experience of public safety is excluded from these. Uh, taxpayers are excluded. Parents concerned about, you know, all of these groups are excluded because you have to be far left in mm-hmm. a proven entity far left to, to be allowed to sit in these forums where they're all going to basically, oh, that's what a great idea. Like MTA, they have a public safety advisory committee. You know, they voted 14 to zero to eliminate all cops on the MTA. 14 to zero. Unanimously. You said all cops. All cops. Including sheriff. Everybody. What, what blows my mind with situations like this is whether it's school council, city council, county supervisors, anytime when the people actually get up and begin to protest against what their agenda is, who's the first people they call to bring peace and order or law and order? The well, law. Well, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yet these same individuals want to defund the police, defund the sheriff's department, defund all law enforcement. It, it doesn't make sense. Whatever basically suits their needs, that's when they that's where they lean. Wherever the pendulum swings, pretty much they're uh, equal opportunity opportunists. But are so okay. Let me ask you this: as you know, as an individual who's running for uh, county supervisor, are there sitting supervisors now that you have hope for that may not swing left, not swing super right, but actually go towards that center? Uh, policies that you're talking about well there's someone running for holly mitchell's uh seat district two clint carlton he is someone i think is of you know he's he's a good man means well and he uh he'd be a a breath of fresh air in the second district and a move away from the career politicians like holly mitchell because both her and karen bass share the same nonprofits public office the same crowd notice how there's no experience about running large organizations and being successful it's from the nonprofit world it's a seamless transition now they're in public office and look at uh when bass became mayor look who lined up and took bass's seat in congress and look who lined up and took that person's seat from the state legislature and it's all very carefully planned. It's like a mafia. Oh, yeah. The the state Democratic Party and the L.A. County Democratic Party, they pretty much, there's an... Uh, unspoken mafia uns- Unspoken mafia rule. That it's, they decide when your turn is. Well, it's not your turn now. You don't get to run now. So you got to run against the grain to challenge that little uh, inner circle of, of power. It's some scary stuff. Well, we're seeing it now, you know, in California with Adam Schiff running for Senate. And, you know, his seat is up for grabs and he promised, you know, again, he, pro- he promised two people. <laughs> he promised Portantino and Laura Friedman, uh, two Democrats who basically, you know, were. They got to hash it out. But buddies with him. Whoever can stroke them so, better at this point. So, you know, you have you have those, these two individuals going after one seed that was promised to them. You know, one turning around to shift saying, hey, I thought you promised me the seed. Another one saying, hey, I thought you promised me the seed. And, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of sailing away off into the sunset and saying, you know what, you guys handle this. And then you have uh, Alex Balekian, who's a Republican running against these two Democrats, which is one thing we brought up last time when Alex was on with us. 
before it would always be Adam Schiff against four or five Republicans, Adam Schiff against six Republicans, Adam Schiff against, you know, two Republicans. And the Republicans would kind of spread out their votes and all the Democrats would vote for Adam Schiff. Now it's the opposite. Now you have Portentino and Laura Friedman, which we're hoping will divide their votes. And we're hoping that Alex Balekian, who's a Republican, and he's not a far right wing Republican. He's a he's a physician, not a career politician. He's a he's a doctor running for a seat where, you know, he's trying to bring law and order and, you know, bring California back to what it was before against these two individuals. We're hoping that that one seat is him only by himself. And the people that are burner votes that don't even look at the ballots and they see an R as a Republican will just vote for, you know, Alex and Friedman and Portentino, these corrupt, you know, career politicians will be long gone. Because that that's just wishful thinking, bro. I know it is. I, I look, I it's I know it's wishful thinking, but it's it's something where it's a possibility as well. If all the stars align, I think it's a big possibility. Because We've said it before on the show, and we'll say it again. This is no longer a Republican versus Democrat issue. This is a good versus evil issue. That's pretty much how it's shaping out. Look no further than Assembly District 53. Freddie Rodriguez is the incumbent. He's termed out. So who is he trying to appoint and shoehorn into his seat? His wife, Michelle Rodriguez. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> then you have Norma Torres, Congresswoman. Mm-hmm. But she has her son who pretty much has a very undistinguished career as a young man in any position. I think he's on Pomona City Council for a term or something like that. And now she wants to shoehorn him in it, him in there. Then you have someone who's a far left nut job that I won't, won't even bother with. And you have one Republican, which is Nick Wilson. And he's a retired cop. And he uh, formed a, a group called the Resiliency Project. And they, they focus on... Uh, Suicide prevention and mental health awareness in first responders. A very wonderful, uh, you know, nationwide organization. That's someone, yeah, who's a normal person that, okay, I can see, bring uh, Sacramento a little closer in line to where the rest of the state is in a way from the world of the Steve Bradfords and the Scott Wieners. Yeah, because the, the way everything is headed, it's just, uh, it goes back to what you were saying these career politicians are out for their best interest only. They don't care what's actually happening out in the fields where people are living. Mm-hmm. And the middle class is slowly dying down. The lower class is rising in population and the upper class is basically funneling their money with these politicians at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we have any questions from uh, our viewers on on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, anything. We're ready for questions, people. Come on. Yeah, guys, if you guys are watching on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, share, like. Let's get the algorithm going. If you guys have any questions for uh, Sheriff Villanueva, let us know. We'll, Armand will read out those questions as well. Um, Sam was asking about, were you familiar with, because <coughs> you mentioned Antifa earlier, as far as what took place during the Glendale Unified School District conflicts that the parents had and then... The Proud Boys were there. Antifa was invited by maybe a girl and some of those other, you know, the LGBTQ or Q, TQ. Alphabet, TQ. Alphabet people. Alphabet people. I can never, I can never say that in order. After 254 episodes, I still. Um, 
Were you aware of that incident that took place in Glendale? I was aware of that incident, and I know something very interesting. When, uh, because you mentioned Proud Boys, I went to Dodger Stadium for protests against the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yeah. Yes. And the Catholic Church was there in force, and it was a good crowd, about 2,000 plus people there. But you read the write-up from the LA Times, and and the author said, and there were some members of the Proud Boys in attendance. It's like they use it as a gratuitous, <laughs> let me discredit this thing, because we're pretty sure there's some Proud Boys there somewhere. No. I mean, where do they come up with this? Just like with uh, Moms for uh, for Liberty, I think, that other yes. group in Florida. Right away, they always link in some far-right group, like uh, the Proud Boys or something, just as an effort to discredit them. And totally, well, we don't have to listen to them because we're pretty sure there's a Proud Boy there. And it's, it's comical how they always try to tie it to a fringe group but to discredit I, it's the group. for them. This the system that the Democrats have been using against the people has been working, but until we break the system. Well, right now though, it's starting to fall apart. And you know what's the weird thing that's kind of really put it into relief was the Hamas terrorist attack, because all of a sudden now Black Lives Matter jumped all in Supporting. on behalf of the Palestinians, mm-hmm. and then the the Jewish Americans who are a big chunk of the democratic party, particularly the donor base of the democratic party. They're like, wait a minute. That was our money. Yes. So now there's a big schism within the, the democratic party on that. And well, because it's always been a, uh, a false narrative they've been carrying for, a, for a whole, a long time. Now this whole concept about being social justice warriors and they're out there pursuing the truth. no, they were out there with bullhorns trying to shout down anybody who had, a, you know, any reality, any facts with them. Let's not listen to the facts. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing with the LGBTQ and uh, drag queen story hours at the library. I'm sorry. That offends parents who think that the library is where your kids go get books and stuff like that. And they're not some kind of an adult performance there. Right. And right away, the people who were trying to push the drag queen story hours says, oh, they're transphobic or this or that. No, it's like, what's appropriate? <laughs> no one is denying anyone the right to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't impact minors. And that's... And the parents' rights. Ultimately, yeah. all these people that are trying to push parents to give up their rights, majority don't even have their own kids. And if you have your own kids, do what you will and what you please at home with your own kids. But let me do what I do with my kids. I get to decide for my kids, just like everyone decides for themselves. You know? Yeah, parental notification. That's it. Imagine parents, I demand to be kept in the dark. I mean, how? About 80% Which parent of, would say that? Yeah, no parent. But the only ones who are protesting are ones that have their LGBTQ kid and know it. So they're the ones protesting. Says, no, I want everybody else to be in the dark. Yeah, but I'm a special parent because I, you know, you know, I, uh, I support what they're doing. I affirm them. It's all about affirming. That's and, not parenting. Affirming yeah. is not parenting. No. So there's there's certain words that just give me like triggered at this point. I even hate using the word triggered. The whole I can't oh, believe you got triggered. I triggered swear, by man. triggered. Yeah. I get triggered by triggered words at this point. See. <clears throat> You mentioned, you know, you were aware of the whole, well, the entire, I think the entire nation was aware of what Glendale did as far as uh, with the with the board meeting. But majority of the parents that we did see there that did have children uh, were willing to actually speak to us because, you know, they have kids in the schools and their parents and they're logical individuals. 
But then on the other hand, you look at some of the other individuals, probably in their, what, early 20s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mid, mid-20s. Um, completely geared up. Armand actually, actually ran into one of them where he kind of, you know, stopped them from attacking parents and full Kevlar on and everything. It's like, dude, you're at a school board meeting. What are you doing wearing <laughs> Kevlar? I mean... That it was in the front line. I swear to God, man. Afghanistan or something. <laughs> Probably. But when when will these these politicians and these individuals really turn around and actually denounce Antifa? Because all of them, it seems like Antifa is there to protect all the LGBTQ people and all the BLM people, but they're actually there to create havoc. Mm-hmm. So when when will this realization or when will these people realize that, hey, listen, if these individuals continue to attempt to run the city, it's going to run to the ground. Just like they did in, what, in Seattle or Washington where it was Chaz, Chaz. Uh-huh. where they basically kind of uh, said, oh, you know what? This is our own sovereign nation. I mean, is this what is this where Didn't it they has call to, And then one of them had a paper cut they called 911. Yeah, but you can't, but, you, yeah. but it's it's out of their jurisdiction to enter Chaz. Yes, I remember that. I mean, can as a as LA County supervisor, are you going to be able to actually change laws where individuals who are masked up, geared up, and you know don't really belong at these certain and I don't even want to call them protests, but let's call them board meetings or city council board meetings or school board meetings where they're there to cause havoc and cause mayhem can actually be arrested and actually be charged with something. Because right now it's like for them, it's like the whole no bail crap that's going on. Mm-hmm. They know that it's just going to be a slap on the wrist and they're going to be out within less than a couple of hours. By the time they get their mugshot, they're already out the door. Yeah, and that's even to get to that point. Remember, you got site and release, you got book and release and magistrate review. The site and release, they don't go past the radio car and they're ticket and they're out the door. So what needs to happen and hopefully local law enforcement is working with the school board, whatever has a form that might be threatened by the presence of disruptors. And with the sheriff's department, we were very successful in 2020 where we could separate between peaceful protesters and the people that showed up wearing Kevlar and like they're going to play NFL tackle football. at 10 at night and who were kidding yet they were insisting we're here protesting peacefully at the a school is, board meeting the yeah. truth is uh those guys were trying to use that kevlar uh mm-hmm. gear to intimidate the parents but when they were outnumbered you could tell these guys were actually scared they looked scared their eyes were scared all of them oh i had one from uh um from, from one of these local groups affiliated with antifa and they like to put a cell phone in your yeah. face and mm-hmm. scream at the top of the lungs but you could see this uh, he shaking. was shaking <laughs> as he's screaming and it's like dude you wouldn't last a minute in the in the county jail or on the street without all your <laughs> and if you think about it if you're so uh heartfelt about how if you actually believe what you're saying why cover your face why cover everything they don't want you to get look- covid yeah, it's protecting their yeah. but notice how remember system. all the restrictions on covid you can't do this until the protest came they all said oh everybody oh you can have 30 yeah. see yeah. look at glendale i mean i i criticized glendale for specifically that during the pandemic that year we were not supposed we were not allowed to do anything april 24th for the commemoration of the genocide yet 10 days after that 
we had a 20,000 person uh, protest in the middle of Glenda on Central 10 days after that. Mm -hmm. And all our Armenian community leaders were at that BLM riot. I mean, whatever protest, I guess they called it. I don't think there was a BLM. No, no, no. It was, it was not in Glenda. It was in LA where we had the Glenda. I I remember we had the, it was in LA and we had um, our mayor at the time. What was his name? Um, not Bass. Who was our former mayor? Garcetti. Before Garcetti. Here we go. Garcetti. We had Garcetti there and, you know, he was hand in hand with people, no mask in hand. And when they asked him, you know, you were there for photo ops, you know, aren't you afraid of COVID? You've been talking about, you know, uh, six feet to distancing, social distancing, the masking. He goes, oh, well, I was holding my breath when taking photos. Oh, I remember yeah. that. So it's kind of, you know, they were contradicting themselves, which L.A. County supervisors have a lot to do with the health department as well. Is that correct? Oh, yes. They run it. Well, see, the, the remember, there's only three elected positions that are not board, which is the sheriff, the district attorney, and the assessor. Mm-hmm. So the board has to run the 34 other county departments, and they're responsible for the outcome. But you'll never know that because they'll always just fire whoever the appointed department head is and, you know, move on. They net, they always distance them, themselves from anything that looks like it's, it's troublesome. See, Sheriff, what I want to know is this. Obviously, you know, the city of Glendale is its own city, but they fall under L.A. County as far as the health department. Let's say majority of the city does decide, you know what? And, you know, I hate going back to 2020. It's like freaking, it's like a nightmare when you think about it. But I just want to understand this. Now that everything is, you know, it's been said and done. If for any reason a business said, you know what, screw this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be locking up. I'm going to be opening up shop. I'm not going to have my tables six feet apart from each other. We're going to be serving food. You don't need to wear a mask. How much power did LA supervisors or LA County have to really shut these businesses down? The city had a little bit more than the county only because the city members, um, uh, water and power. Yes. Controlled by the city. Correct. So they could actually unplug you. Hmm. County can do that. Cause so, Southern California Edison is a different arrangement there, but so it, the different setups. And then as sheriff, I was not going to be using our department for any of those type of purposes. No, the health inspectors themselves, whatever they wanted to do on their own, knock themselves out. But I knew that chasing people around for the mask mandate, for example, mm-hmm. no, that was a, a bad <clears throat> idea. Vaccine mandate. Why would I'm going to lose 4,000 of my employees to pursue a vaccine mandate when the president and the governor are not requiring vaccines? You think about it. Mm-hmm. They gave they gave their employees, federal and state employees, get the vaccine or take a weekly test. I said, okay, I'll do the same thing. And you could not hear the end of it from the board. Oh my God, the sheriff is rogue. He's out of control. He's going to endanger everybody. Okay. But the governor and the president, the entire federal workforce is not, I mean, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Now you, if, if let's say the voting system was, you said you had 17,000 law enforcement working under you. Mm-hmm. If, if the voting for your position as sheriff, was to be amongst those 17,000 law enforcement officers, not amongst the public, not citizens. What do you think the outcome would be? I would have won probably 95% to 5%. 95%. Wouldn't even close. Yeah. So to, to Let's me- put it this way. When ALADS, the deputies union, did a poll when there was nine candidates on the ballot, mm-hmm. I had 86% of the vote. 
with nine candidates. So do the math. Because, and I asked that question because if if I'm running for a CEO of a company, I would want the employees to vote for me. The, the public or the shareholders who own one stock of the publicly traded company and who have no idea who the other people that have submitted their resumes for the CEO position are, for them to vote, it's kind of certain positions just seems irrelevant. I know that sounds like we're taking public rights away, but the fact that, I don't know, for me, when it comes to law enforcement, certain positions, I think there has to be more of an emphasis on the people who actually directly work for that individual, that public officer, in this case, it was you as a sheriff, where they know the resources you provide them, the guidance, the direction and everything. Whereas we as public citizens have no idea. We just see whatever's on the news and the news obviously never speaks positively of anybody doing a good thing, right? And we so, find that out. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, you know? I can vouch for that. Because <laughs> that, that, that's just, when it comes to, as, as public, uh, as a county supervisor, it's a little bit different, obviously. But as sheriff, having 17,000 law enforcement, just like in the army, you know, the general is chosen based on their experience as a soldier and they come up the ranks. That's kind of how I think the sheriff's department should be similar to how the military functions. And but it does in a sense until n- now. Not when, not when the public who's clueless votes based on, based on what? No substance. But then it goes down to voters <coughs> got to do a better job of educating themselves. I mean, they just look at the LA times, their endorsement. They have uncanny ability to endorse the wrong people always. And it always blows up. But then people still mm. use that, uh, yep. uh, I guess, the avenue. The matrix. Matrix, of, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the mainstream media as a whole has failed the people. It used to be the most important business that was tied to our government. And today, media has lost all... Tr- people don't trust the media anywhere. We, and it's a worldwide problem. This is not yeah. only a California issue. Well, for my time in office, we had so many run-ins with the LA Times, and we had important stuff that we did that was newsworthy. They wouldn't cover it. They would not touch it. It was like it never enough. just waiting for no, you to mess something up. It was, small. it was very sexy, but it didn't fit the narrative they wanted to paint me with. But if you, they found something they could use against you oh my god every day because i I remember when you when you first stepped in in office i remember there was an article that they wrote where it was like uh alex villanueva hires 1100 um previously uh previous sheriff's deputies and then they mentioned something in the body of it that said uh majority of them were actually uh, released due to gang related operations and blah 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 it was like so basically, the guy hires 1,100 sheriff's deputies. Instead of applauding him, you actually go in and dig in and find, okay, let's say, for example, yeah, you have you have a batch one of apples. Apple. You have one yeah. bad apple, right? You're going to smear that entire article with that one bad apple? And, uh, and that is even worse than that. We hired 1,100, which was a record for one year. We had to rehire six people. One that you guys know, uh, Carol, uh, Carl Mendoyan, mm-hmm. 
and five others, three of them were by orders of the uh, the civil service system. They won their cases, so they get their job back. Mm-hmm. One, the statute of limitations expired, and one, an executive from the McDonald era said, "You know what? We fired that guy, and we we misread." the penalty for what he was accused of. He should not have been a termination. It should have been a lower level discipline. So, okay, well, we'll make it a lower level discipline. Okay, so that, wrongful termination. Basically. Yeah, wrongful termination. So those are the six cases. You see? And, and in each one was stood in its own, like the, the Mandoyan case, proven, falsely accused, the department engaged in misconduct, criminal, by hiding a witness who had exculpatory information. They hid him from the civil service system. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So the civil service commissioners are unaware of this. Well, that's what that's what you get. And it was a bad decision. We informed the board of supervisors, hey, this was a bad decision. We need to correct it. And they didn't say a word. And then I find out three days later, they sued me. Mm. Like, wow. And you guys know that I bring back someone who's wrongfully terminated. Because for them, it was an opportunity to paint me like some kind of a weird hashtag me too moment. When the facts did not fit the case whatsoever. See, what is that going to, what is, an LA, the LA County supervisors sued the LA County Sheriff's Department. What is that going to, what is that going to repair besides a waste of tax it, money? It's going to lower his chances of being reelected. Re-election. And they were and willing I, to but spend. But at what cost? At our, our, yes, our course, money, man. Course. You yeah. paid for it. They spent between both sides. You paid for both sides. Of course we did. That was about, I'm saying about oh, five or six million dollars. Thank you. Yeah. But for them, it was money well spent because it was a way to paint me as a negative early on. I mean, that was my first month in office. They're hiring a law firm to sue me. Just kind of think about that for yeah. a second. Not even the president, when you have an opposing Congress. Well, there was a that. president that faced something even before he got well, into No, it. his was in, uh, I think it was 1979. He put a quarter in the gumball machine and two bubble gums came out and he kept both he kept both yeah oh, so he's being yeah he's being indicted for that so it's a All little right, more okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're still looking for the gumball today <laughs> but you know what but to this day you hear the coverage he doesn't get along with anyone i was like wow you know what i'd like to see on a on, just give me one evidence what did the board do it anyway to help me as an incoming sheriff a newly elected public official no, they spent four years throwing rocks at me, literally out the gate. Wham, 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 well, wham. Amazing. Wouldn't you say it's because of who you were? They already knew who they had in, as an opponent, in a sense, where if they helped you, uh, the county would do better. The county would win. The The people would win. Oh, yes. But well, they would have lost. the people win, they lose. Exactly. And that's what it all came down to. I could not be trusted. Remember, all the sheriffs... Before and after, they were trusted with this with the secrets of the county because they were part of the game. They were part of the game, and I was the one who could not be trusted to to basically look the other way. To share, you ran as a Democrat, right? Mm-hmm. Are you running as a Democrat again? Yep. See, that that's what that's what that's I was going to ask. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what kind of confuses me is okay. You have an individual who was a Democrat who became sheriff, and. You know, he's part of your political party. So this kind of proves the point of the far left and the far right. I'm not, I'm no. not true. I'm not picking sides here. The far left and the far right. This man is, is, was elected and he's for law and order. And if you're not for law and order, 
and you're basically throwing rocks at him the entire term that he's there, that means you have a different agenda that doesn't fit his. And if he's for creating peace and safety for L.A. County and you're trying to derail him, who's the problem here? If we had peace, do you think people would be con- easily controlled or during chaos? During chaos, it's easier to control. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. Rami Emanuel said, never let a good crisis good go crisis to waste. Yeah. But look at what this. What did he say? He said, don't let a good crisis <coughs> go to waste. Oh, is that your first time yeah, hearing that, bro? Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> but look, look at That's just, a 9-11 one, baby. Come on. You need to know that one. Four years in office, right? We, uh, we did what we did on immigration. We set the standard where you got to separate federal immigration enforcement and local law enforcement. It worked. And we were the biggest county to do it, biggest jail. Nothing blew up. It was the right thing to do. Still, we got to enforce. We got to close the border. We need uh, immigration to do their job and deport people that don't belong here, particularly those that are obviously convicted of murder, rape, robbery, and all that. They get yeah. released out of the state. So we we established that. Hundred one million dollar budget deficit. I turned it into seventy four million dollars surplus. While they're still trying to defund me left and right and freeze hiring and doing all that nonsense, right? We hired the most diverse set of executives in the history of the department. We created a system where everyone could compete to be a station captain, you know, representing the community, where the community was involved in selecting. We created the Wage Theft Task Force. We, uh, during civil unrest, LA County did not burn down, did not become Seattle or Portland. Yes. There's a reason why. Sheriffs. Because they were wearing tan and green, and they went everywhere, and they took care of business the right way. No one got killed. No one got severely injured on our watch. And that's how it's supposed to work. And all these crimes that we had to address, when we had tragedies that happened on our watch, we, you know, the Kobe Bryant crash is one example of that. But you look at the list of everything we achieved in four years is monumental. And yet you look at the criticism, it's all touchy-feely. Well, he didn't get along with the board, you know, you know stuff like that. Yeah, we took care of business. So because you didn't get along with five people. They had no interest in getting along with me. Well, yeah, you were their enemy in a sense. Just because of that, you're not a good sheriff. In because their eyes. five people don't like you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what it boiled down to. In fact, Mark Reilly Thomas, we overlapped by two years. He never met with me or spoke with me. Refused to. In two years. Yeah, in two years. And I just showed up and, okay, let's meet. You got to take the homeless, the drugs, all this crap and just dump it into their backyard. And be like, hey, here you go. You you handle it now. That's when it'll be a reality check for them. Have the homeless go in and camp in front of their uh, luxury condos or in front of their gated communities. Um, I'd like to think, uh, yeah, Jeff Katzenberg's compound, you know, wherever he lives, I'd mm-hmm. say they should all go camp out there. Oh, yeah. He'll be calling 911 right away or the sheriff's department right away to clear up all this. Or he'll call Luna, who bankrolled his campaign. Yeah. The first thing he'll say is, what's the meaning of this? So, Luna getting into office almost falls into the same category. During those riots, Luna's Long Beach was burning down. Mm-hmm. And yet he gets to get. Sure. He's promoted. He's promoted, just yeah. like Armon said. It's like you have to do, you have to do bad to get promoted. Well, the body worn camera program, another big success, right? 
yes. I campaigned on it. We need to get the body-worn camera. Transparency protects everybody. They fought me tooth and nail. They, they didn't want that? Well, no. They wanted to say publicly they wanted it, but they didn't want to allow me to get the job done because that they would have been a victory. They don't want you to get credit for it. Exactly. Mm. So then how can December they stop of 18, that my first week in office, we figured out a way to make it faster, better, and cheaper so it would work. First week in office, we gave it to the board. Hey, this is what we want to do. Let's go forward. First thing out of Mark Ridley Thomas, well, we need to do a study. They already had four on the books, so they wanted a fifth study. <laughs> Everything study. was designed to delay oh. it. And you know what? You need to study. go through the formal request for proposal with all the bells and whistles, even though you already had proof of how it works and you can piggyback from somebody no. else. No, you got to go through the hard way because we want you to jump through every single hoop we can come up with. And then we'll add a few more. So October of 2020 was when we finally got them on the streets. Almost but two years later. Almost two years later. And had they listened to me in December of 18, we had had them summer of 19, which meant Andres Guardado in 20, would have, in the riots, everything would have been with body-worn cameras. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, if you slapped an Apple logo on there with a rainbow and had some British guy basically do the presentation, they would have signed <laughs> off on everything right away. You got a point there. <laughs> I Look, swear I, to God. I'll give you a perfect example of a similar situation. Years ago, I was in a meeting with this uh, a chief medical officer of a large nonprofit healthcare organization. When I say large, $15 billion. And we're having lunch, and, and he was kind of sharing some stories of how they make decisions with the board. He says, so the board came up with a, a proposal. Um, we need to create this app that's going to kind of streamline a specific process. He said, well, you know, I got a developer guy that can do it put it together yeah so he, he asked his developer friend you know this is what we need what would it cost let's say the cost was thirty thousand dollars the board said okay yeah let's have a meeting and discuss it so they have a meeting with 20 board members who are getting paid half a million dollars each so Just they have a meeting to make a decision on a thirty thousand dollar project first meeting no we need we need to do some further investigation and studies on this to, to make sure this is the right company to build this. Mm. The second meeting, third meeting, they probably spent $200,000 on these meetings trying to make a decision on a $30,000 project. He says, finally, I said, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> we, we, I'll pay for it. He said, we just kind of um, part ways part ways with the price. It's like, this is ridiculous. We're not, you're spending so much money and resources for thirty thousand. Now it's no different than yeah. It's like the postal service, man. Like they'll they'll send you a they'll send you a check for like four cents, but it costs them like a dollar something to mail out those that four cents. I swear that that's exactly how it is. It's insufficient. It's all insufficient. It's it's again, who's running it? The government is running it. Remember, whenever it's a study, that's always a go-to response of career politicians. Let's let's uh let's uh hire up for a study. Let's get a consultant. Let's appoint a blue ribbon commission. So then, what are what are these elected officials there for? So basically, just take the piece of paper and say, "All right, we saw what your proposal is. So let's go ahead and hire somebody to actually look into this." Pretty much. So instead of them doing the actual homework themselves, they want to give the appearance they're doing something to voters. Oh, look at us! We met and we made these decisions. And then, however, they'll never take ownership of the outcome. It's always going to be pushed as furthest away possible 
they'll have some appointed schmuck. They, well, <laughs> you know, someone to take the fall, basically. Yeah, someone always takes the fall. Yep. And then the person that takes the fall is somewhat put up in the rankings amongst their crowd. Yeah, look at probation department. Yeah. How many times they fire the poor director of probation? And the board has been micromanaging that thing for the last <clears> decade, <throat> basically to its, its demise. And they keep doing it. Yeah. It used and to be keep- one of the most common like operational departments. Mm-hmm. Used to be. It w- there was stability when the board of supervisors respected the expertise and the credibility of who ran probation. And it was not an issue. But over the last 10 years, when this whole reimagining and social justice movement came about, they could do no right in their eyes. Well, Los Angeles and the entire state and country is going through another epidemic as well. You know, uh, COVID-19 was a pandemic, sorry, pandemic that we went through. But now there's this massive fentanyl epidemic that we're going through. I know the sheriff's department at the time when we when you were here two years ago, you guys were tackling it full force. Is LA County supervisor, you know, are, is LA County, as far as the supervisors, are they doing anything about it as far as, you know, helping the sheriff's department, helping local police departments uh, take control of this situation? Absolutely not. They have no desire to do anything that could per- per- be perceived as being beneficial towards law enforcement. They have to go the exact opposite way. And basically let these, I mean, because the majority of these, uh, the people that are dying from these fentanyl overdoses are kids. Exactly. At, at, at this point, I think the cartel leaders are doing more. They sent out a message, if I'm not mistaken, a week or two ago, saying, if, 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 if I notice any fentanyl in any of the drugs that are going out, you guys are done. Which... Yeah, they're killing their consumers. <laughs> Which is more than what the L.A. County supervisors are doing, or any politician for that matter. I, and I it's, not, and I, it's not I, only being laced in drugs. It's being laced in a lot of, like, you know, uh, prescription pills as well. Mm-hmm. These kids no. are going after, uh, like, uh, Xanaxes and Oxycontins, uh, Oxycontins and all this stuff that are, you know, black market, and it's being laced with fentanyl. 40% of counterfeit narcotics are laced with a lethal dose of fentanyl, which means more two micrograms or more. 40%. I mean, if we're losing, what is it, 100,000 a year? 100,000. Isn't, I mean, that's, over the last, say, after World War II, how many people have we, soldiers american citizens have we lost to wars since world war ii 58 in uh, vietnam about seven and seven between afghanistan and iraq seven, 14 58 so that's uh, less than 100,000 that's, 000, that's 100, 000, right? yeah i mean but this is annually annually we're losing 100,000 so just put that into perspective we're losing more to laced black market drugs American citizens than the then, Vietnam in a twenty-year war. It's insane. I mean, is it insane? And, no, and nobody's doing anything about it. I mean, what do you expect them to do? I mean, there's agendas like population control that could be part of it. I mean, that's just my well, thing. But remember, Prop Forty Seven reduced penalties. A lot of things that were felonies became misdemeanors. misdemeanors yeah, slap on the wrist. And then SB Three Fifty, 
which was going to address directly fentanyl. Senator Steve Bradford, public safety committer. Why on earth would he be in the public safety committee? That's like putting Hitler in charge of the Anti-Defamation League. And he uh, blocked it from passing, and that would have uh, increased penalties for people who sell fentanyl, and then someone dies as a result of that poisoning. They would have been facing murder charges, manslaughter. He blocked it. Mm-hmm. in spite of all the testimony from all the parents who lost a loved one, because if a kid dies, thought they were taking Percocet and it was laced with a lethal dose of fentanyl, that's poisoning. That's manslaughter. That's not yeah. an overdose. You're really underselling it by calling it an overdose. Yeah, an overdose is somebody intentionally. Yeah, a, a junkie who's been junk, slamming yeah, exactly. you know, opioids and took one. One extra one. One extra one yeah. than he should have. Well, okay, that that's an overdose. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. yeah. There was even that that drug bust that took place where the LA County Sheriff's department was involved, where, you know, he, he opened the trunk up, opened up the bag, took a whiff of fentanyl. And thank God his partner was there where he quickly, quickly reacted to it as well and gave him the, uh, what's it called? The Narcan. The Narcan. Or else, you know, we would have lost, you know, a, a sheriff's deputy to a accidental fentanyl overdose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even evidence is coming out of uh, George Floyd's case that it was, which was hidden. Yeah, which it was a uh, yeah overdose. Overdose. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we did the two big marijuana raids, the illegal grows up in the high desert in twenty one and twenty two, we ended up burning about two billion dollars worth of illegal uh, marijuana. Uh, marijuana, and we arrested well over a hundred, close to two hundred people. Not one single prosecution from the DA. Got so all, on that, the wrist. all that <clears throat> hard work one. you guys and the resources you put in there, it's gone. They just all walked away. Speaking one of DA, who, who do you think would be better suitable for the DA position? Tommy or McKinney? Obviously, we know how you feel about Gascon. He's your top, top well, guy. <laughs> number one, anybody but Gascon, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a group of... Uh, of uh, deputy DAs and two in particular, McKinney, mm-hmm. uh, within the DA's office that they're considered the the cream of the crop, McKinney and Maria Ramirez, and those are uh, those are the two that uh, either one we we'd be doing very well. Mm-hmm. We got either one because one will work with the other, and they're just seasoned veteran prosecutors with decades of experience. That's experience that Hatami doesn't have. You know, he's he's way too young for that well, role. Hatami has. St- I mean, <clears throat> when you speak of experience, I mean, Hatami was on our was on our show. We spoke to him, mm. and you know, he, he was involved in the Gabriel Fernandez case. He was a prosecutor there, plus another, uh, you know, a bunch of other uh, child abuse cases. You know, he stepped in court. He's faced these uh, defense attorneys. He's faced these judges, and. One thing he brought to our attention, I didn't even know, I don't know if you know about this, but Gascon has never stepped foot in court. No, he never has. He's never argued a case in his life. Yet he's, you know, so when we, we talk about experience, I mean, at this point, you know, the the local kid that just passed his bar and is at, you know, at the Temple Courthouse, you know, waiting to just basically defend somebody as a public defender has more experience than Gascon at this point. 
Uh, pretty much. Every <laughs> sitting at this table is more experiencing us. So yeah, have more experience. I have You've more experience. Yeah, because my 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 attorney bailed on me and I had to represent myself. Exactly. There you go. See, you yeah, are you do taste. have more experience. Too. I knew yeah. it. See, again, shout out to Judge Elizabeth Harris. Love you. She's she's an amazing judge. He's, he's been talking about that judge every damn week. She's a sweet, she's a sweetheart. She was a sweetheart. I mean, not look. Not every not every single judge would allow you to represent yourself and a corporation, but I was put in a situation where an attorney that I had retained completely bailed out me, ghosted me, wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't uh, you know, wouldn't return text messages, emails, nothing. Wow! And it was to the point where I, you know, I had a court date scheduled for a uh, it was a tenant landlord situation, and I showed up to court and you know the judge looks at me and says you, you know who are you and i'm like well you know i am arno Ferdian and you know i'm here to represent the corp as well she goes well where's your where's your attorney like, i don't know good question <laughs> yeah i mean she Call him. yeah she actually she actually had the not the bailiff but the uh clerk. the clerk call the attorney at court cell phone office he didn't answer and then it was to the point where she she turned around. She was like, you know what? I apologize for what you're going through. Let's see what we can do to get this resolved. See, th- th- those are the type of judges and people that we need in LA County, in LA City, where in our they're, they're, they're reasonable. Right. How can we make things work? What are the different interests that are, be- that are competing here? And how can we come across with a, a suitable outcome? Yeah. yeah. No, that that's yeah. it. But, but, um, Im- but imagine if that judge had sponsors i was done and the sponsors for example had a quota this month you have to have x amount of convictions whether right or wrong or x amount of releases and whatever dismisses yeah then that judge is no longer basing her his decision on experience in the law and you know, principles and values, it's all based on, well, you know, my, you know I got I got to do seven more dismissals this week because I got to get paid. Here's a good one yeah. to use it on. And that's why there's a meme out there where it says these uh, politicians should be wearing patches just like the race car drivers do. Too. So we, oh, yeah. yeah. So you know who. So we know who's sponsoring them because yep. you follow the money and the story. And we, that was completely exposed during the pandemic is we truly learned who's on whose side because which side because you could tell the farm pharmaceuticals even doctors and scientists who were reading off studies and that's why i think Edgar brought it up who sponsored the study you can't have pfizer sponsor a vaccine they study did. I, they did i, I know but had the C- i remember the ceo of pfizer with a straight face is telling the camera well this study shows that our product is yeah. very effective no shit <laughs> you're the last sponsored. person in the world i want to hear that from and then when they asked him, well, have you taken, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm in my late fifties, but I'm in good health. I work out. I eat. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You want me as a 40 year old to go. And yeah. Or you're going to lose your job. Poster. Yeah. Or, or you're going to lose your job. Lose your job. You can't eat at a restaurant. <laughs> what are you talking about? Lose your you job. You can't get a damn donut, man. Yeah, That's I, how bad I, it was. I, I don't think if in my wildest dreams, if somebody asked me in your lifetime, will you ever face any type of segregation? I'd be like, what do you mean segregation? But, but, Here's here's the the sad thing about this entire debacle about masks and vaccines. It turned out to be a 
basically a dud for so to speak it was a big artillery round that landed it didn't blow up but you soured the population so much to restrictions a live one's going to come down range one day yep that's going to kill a gazillion people but people are going to be opposed to it because they don't have any faith in government anymore because they overplayed their yeah. hand. Isn't that, is that part reality. of the plan as well, maybe? Boy cried wolf, that's what it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Or maybe that's the that's what they want. It it created this divide unlike any other. Mm-hmm. And it, it's to the point where it's like that one really, really annoying friend that you have that even if they say something that you agree with, you'll still get pissed off at the situation and you'll like just nag him about it. So, you know, the divide is so bad that even if the government or an elected official does something that you agree with, you'll still try to dig for crap to just, you know, find something to just pinpoint it on them and say, no, 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 this is what you screwed up on. Just like how they felt against, you know, with you when you became sheriff, you hired a bunch of deputies which is a great thing. You're providing, you know, jobs and housing and all this stuff for these individuals, but they still dug in to, to find some stupid little thing to just basically pin it on that one thing and say, and just completely smear whatever you've done. And here's, here's the sad thing on that note. We went through in our first year in office, we found 14 cases where my predecessor had actually taken deputies that were already in civil service, already been terminated and reinstated them. Yeah, so 14 cases that I would have not reinstated a single one because I saw all the evidences and oh, that sounds like it was a good termination. And they reinstated them. 14. 14 of them. Did you hear a peep from the Board of Supervisors? Not Part a single peep, board. not a single lawsuit because they didn't care. That's the whole point. This whole thing was for show. You know, one thing that's still fresh in our even our viewers' eyes till today is the whole gangs inside the sheriff's department. A few people are mentioning it till now. What what are your thoughts about it? Was that something that was happening before you went in as a sheriff? Or did you know much about that? Or was that just something they used against you when you came into office? It was a political campaign. There was nothing like that. There is no substance to it whatsoever. The sheriff's department, like every large organization, paramilitary, has groups, has unit pride, has unit identifiers, tattoos and all that, symbols. You go to air fire stations and big fire departments, they all have their own logos and everything. They even tattoo it, but no one calls them gangs. Same thing with LAPD. Does anybody talk about the gangs of LAPD? No. They have the exact same thing. You go to New York NYPD, exact same thing. What they did is they... They took this history, contentious history, going back decades in lawsuits and deputies involved in lawsuits, uses of force and, and so forth. And they just created a narrative around it that, oh, my God, they're gang members. OK, who? I said, if you think there's a dang gang member in our department, please identify him. I'll be more than happy to fire him. They can identify one person. In fact, Max Huntsman, the inspector general, was doing all the all the talk. He was forced to testify under oath in a deposition on a case involving allegations of deputy gangs. He admitted he had no information about the existence of any gang member under oath. And what did the county do? They moved to seal his testimony so it wouldn't be public. That's how they play the game. And then Luna comes into office on a promise to eradicate the games, uh, these uh, deputy gangs. Not a peep yet. Not a peep. All of a sudden, this crisis. They said it's a 50-year crisis. 
but somehow it became a crisis as soon as I showed up in office. As soon as I left office, the crisis disappeared. You were the crisis. Huh? Yeah, apparently, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the whole thing was fake. And we've now counted 14 cases where the we've won and the plaintiffs making all these allegations lost. I mean, they lost their ass and they had no evidence to show for it because you can make all the allegations in the world on a claim, but you got to go to court and prove it. And when it came to, okay, let's see your goods. Uh, Nothing there. Zero. And they were laughed out of court. It happened again and again, but the papers never cover it. They only covered the initial sensational headline. <laughs> oh, my God. Deputies are murdering babies and drinking their blood, or their blood. Comma, suit alleges. Right? Suit That's how they write the title. Mm. But then when the suit falls apart, they never follow up and say, oh, by the way, that was dismissed for lack of evidence. Yeah. Sin City so, Trucker saying, didn't <clears throat> Sheriff Lee Baca get in trouble for that? No, he got in trouble for lying to the FBI. Ooh. Uh, entirely different set of circumstances. Within the same realm? Was, no. Did it have to do with anything? With no, the- it had to do with the uh, use of force in the county jails, an investigation the FBI did where they had an informant inside, inside the, the jail. And the the, sh- the sheriff, his undersheriff, they were playing hide the informant from the FBI. And that's where he got into trouble with lying to the FBI. So, so it was like obstruction of justice mm-hmm. and lying to the FBI, I think, were the two charges. So to clarify, you, you called, you said whether you look at the LAPD and YPD, police departments have gangs within themselves. Not gangs. Clicks. No. Clicks. What, what would you call it? I call said, them. You know, like tattoos that identify. Subgroups, right? units. Yeah. I worked East LA for years. Mm-hmm. And when I was at East LA, they had a group of deputies that had a caveman tattoo. But they only had the tattoo. That was it. They did not treat anybody any differently. Everyone was welcome coming and going and coming and going everywhere. Everyone affiliated together. Group of deputies go to the river, get drunk, and, you know, horse around. That was about it. That's not a gang. Because you have to have a connection to misconduct. Mm -hmm. And they could not point to anything about misconduct anywhere. And I'd say, hey, you know what? If you don't have any evidence, stop calling deputies gang members. Because what you're doing is you're putting a target on deputies' backs, like happened to Ryan Klinkenbrumer. You're making the job more contentious and more difficult and people are starting to doubt your legitimacy because they're going to view you as, Oh, you must be one of those gang members because you're a deputy that is harmful. So I told the board to knock it off. If you got facts, give us the facts. If you don't have facts, why don't you move on to something else and stop delegitimatizing law enforcement in the eyes of the public? Cause that's what the campaign was doing It's very harmful both to the community and to the organization. Cause now it's like when, Sheriff's deputies are out and about patrolling. Now you have citizens and civilians looking at them awkwardly saying, well, I don't know if this guy's part of a gang, if he's not part of a gang, if there's some underground project going on or like it literally becomes like a freaking movie at this point. Yeah, It's a false perception. Yeah. It was created by the politicians for political purposes. Yeah. You just, I mean, they did everything and anything they could. Oh my God. They had, they had meetings. In fact, they even had it on the board agenda item where they ordered the county council to find ways to remove the sheriff from office. Literally. And is that legal? Um, well, the u- misuse of taxpayer resources to do that. No, cause I was never accused of or did any crime whatsoever. They didn't care for them. It was getting the honest sheriff out of office as soon as possible. 
that was the goal. Just smear your reputation, basically. You're see, in the way. Yeah. See, <clears throat> two years ago when you were here with us, you were obviously you were running for sheriff again against Luna. At the time, we had a conversation where, you know, this whole removing the sheriff from office was, you know, on the table with the supervisors. Mm-hmm. If you had won against Luna and you sat as sheriff again for the second term, was there a possibility they'd actually come after you and have you removed? There, um, I don't think they'd be that stupid because they'd have to come up with facts, which they don't have. And uh, they didn't be inviting legal Armageddon. So it's in not a, a matter of vote. Crisis. It wasn't a matter of the five of them voting against. But they have to have but facts. You still have to prove You still have to, you have to prove it. What would they prove? Where would they take you? I mean, where would that go? Well, How does that problem. play out? That's the problem because the measure was written in such a way that is unconstitutional at face value because it says abuse of power and they get to decide what the abuse of power is. But if you look at what they did to me, I could say, well, that looks like abuse of power to me when they're ganging up on. The- but where would they have to prove that you had abused your power? Well, that's what he's saying. Yeah, they ha- there would have to be some sort of justifiable evidence. And- but at that point, there would be there would be a countersuit as well. Oh, that'd be immediate. And that but is a point. Does this go to court? Does this get decided in court? It would or- have to be decided in court because they'd have to do the motions on their own like a board motion and then vote on it and get four to one to vote for the measure. But the fact is it's a violation of due process, removing an elected, a constitutionally elected uh, office holder without due cause. And they don't have it. They never did have it. So they found any means possible. And this just gave them a platform to continue campaigning against me. All it did. Now they got more people who dump ton of money on the proposition a measure and they're basically using that as a as a tool to also slam the sitting sheriff he's so horrible we had to put this measure on the ballot oh my god that's how the whole game was played but in that situation you don't think you'd be guilty guilty till proven innocent because that's what that's how it seems to kind of the way it was written pretty much yeah that would have been the case but that's when they would have lost their ass in court because uh, it would have made me a very wealthy individual. That's for sure. And, oh, so you were hoping for this. Oh, I, I, well, I, I didn't care for the hassle because I'm not concerned about money. But uh, had I won and the prop was in effect, I wouldn't have cared whatsoever. I said, you know, try it. Go for it. If you think you got it, go for it. I mean, it would be, it, they'd be making fools of themselves. Because imagine, like, you have a motion. It's like, all right, well, so what's your evidence? But we, we we've been seeing what, that. What evidence? We've been seeing that unfold <laughs> Do we need for the past what seven years now. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, they they all look like fools, but the problem is, is that again, they don't see, care. Again, they, the media doesn't show all this, man. <laughs> you you got to dig through YouTube and you got to dig through algorithms and share it with certain people to see what's actually going on with these, uh, you know, these Senate cases, these Assembly cases, where you know they they sit in front of the Assembly members, the Senate members, and they make fools of themselves. And it's it's like it's really really a joke. Some of them are like really really like terrible, uh, you know, speakers, and they bring in like horrible evidence to like prove a point that th- there is really nothing to prove. Well, you just pointed out something that's a key difference between the board of supervisors and your average municipal police department. You know, you have your your city attorney, right? Correct. And if you go to a city council meeting, you'll hear the city attorney chime in now and then, yeah, you can do that, but you can't do that. Watch out for this, you know. 
Okay, yeah. legal advice. Like a mediator. Which is no. their job. Advisor. When it comes to the Board of Supervisors and County Council, County Council doesn't chime in at all and say, yeah, you can't do this or do that. No. They're told you will find the law to justify this. You will do that. They dictate to County Council and they have to come up with a bogus bullshit legal reason that is laughable. But what they're relying on is that they're the 800 pound gorilla. Mm. You find the resources to challenge them in court. We're just going to get away with it. That's a terrible job to have. That is how that is how the that, that is basically how the bully operates in the legal world. I'm assuming that nine hundred and fifty dollars smash and grab thing came about. Mm-hmm. Then those yeah. Were, yeah, yeah, I mean, how do you how do you fight against the county or the state or the federal government? How much money is it going to cost you, and what's the outcome going to be? I mean, you're going to lose regardless because they're basically they're they're implementing their own laws and rules. And they have unlimited resources. Yeah. Like this whole, like I mentioned, the whole smash and grab thing. Why nine hundred fifty dollars? Why? Why that number? number? Like why that number? Just like nineteen ninety nine for infomercials, maybe I don't know. Well, the the nine fifty when that came about in twenty fourteen, I was working patrol as a watch commander at Pico. We had we had adapted to it. All right, it wasn't a huge change. On that front, and when it came to the drug part, it was a huge change, and of that's course. where the whole people started dying left and right. But on the the petty theft, it wasn't because the DA was still prosecuting misdemeanors. Companies were still doing citizens' arrests for petty theft, yes. for you know all that stuff, yeah. shoplifting. That was still going on. So yeah, it increased it a bit, but it was still being controlled. But when you got Gascon, who authored Prop Forty Seven, becomes the DA. They says, well, I'm not going to prosecute any misdemeanors whatsoever. He literally legalized theft. And then everything and became a misdemeanor. And <laughs> every and, and misdemeanors that they were not going to file. And that's where you have all the exercise and futility. Mm-hmm. Companies gave up and people just walking out of stores at will and stealing. And we've got to put that genie back in the bottle. It's going to take a lot of energy. Do you think that will ever happen? Well, we'll start with getting rid of Gascon. One, we got to repeal Prop 47, hands down. I don't think you can modify it in any way. It's just so badly flawed public policy. It needs to be thrown out. We do those two things. We start arresting again. That zero bail schedule, 27 municipalities have signed on to the lawsuit against the LA Superior Court for the zero bail schedule. The Board of Supervisors, the DA, the sheriff, none of them showed up to defend the cash bail system. This was back in May of this year when there was the, the lawsuit by a plaintiff who was incarcerated and he sued about the, the cash bail system. The judge even asked him, hey, is anybody going to defend uh, this thing? No, he won by default. There was no <laughs> defense on the cash bail. So the zero bail so schedule. the state had no one representing it? No, yeah. nobody. And the two people that were supposed to was a sheriff, the DA, and Mike Moore, the LAP, could have gone there as well. But there was some decision behind closed doors. Let's not defend it. So it is a and let it be. Uh, pretty much that that message was communicated because how on earth, me as sheriff, I would have been there standing tall, you know, at the crack of dawn. No, we're going to defend the system. Because you know crazy. we we've had the police ca- the Glendale police captain on the show as well, and you know Glendale has a big stance on the shoplifters. You you will get arrested. But, you know, he's, he mentioned that as well. He's like, we're, we're kind of handcuffed with the DA because 
you know, social media isn't really doing the best job either because, you know, people end up recording these smash and grabs and you see security and employees stand around and just kind of shrug their shoulders as these individuals grab anything they can and just literally just walk out the door. And they say, they say, you can't touch them because if you touch them, you know, we're going to end up in a lawsuit. It's it all the root of all evil of this is just basically the land of lawsuits and it's money. Mm-hmm. Everybody's that's what everybody is terrified of at this point is getting even, into a lawsuit. Even if they allowed you to touch them as a security guard, you're getting would paid it be worth it? 18, 18 bucks, bucks an, an hour? hour. Look at the look at the two Indian guys who beat the shit out of that oh, one Stockton. guy. Yeah, that's Seven Eleven. That's everybody's heroes. Yeah, <laughs> but they, I, I think they faced some trouble too, right? They faced charges. Yeah, yeah it's, you know what? I'm they, sorry. Were, they were withdrawn though. Were they? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if you go look at the comments on the on that video, everybody's saying like five minutes of just pure, you know, satisfaction, and like this guy, you know, got got what he deserved, and that's what it was. He got what he deserved. He walked into that store, that thrift store, 7-Eleven, whatever it was, and he basically was filling up that trash bag with cigarettes like, you can't touch me. And when these two guys were like fed up with this and one of them grabbed them, he was like, you know what? What are you doing? And then when the other guy came with the broomstick, oh, he was sorry right away. I mean, he he was sorry right away. Uh, I swear, that's what needs to be done. They need These people need to be beaten or they need to be arrested and beaten in jail. Or both. Or, well, yeah. You would have, remember the jewelry store in El Monte where the overweight guy broke the glass and then the the employees jumped on him and uh, I think they pepper sprayed him. Yeah. They beat him, ripped off his shirt, and he went waddling down yeah, the, yeah. The, that guy. Turns out he was arrested uh, last week for murder. The no. same guy. Remember the body in the barrel floating in the Malibu? Yes, lagoon? that was his. Yeah, he's a suspect in that oh, murder. Man. Wow, small That's world, crazy. huh? <laughs> but that one was another vigilante. Wait, why wasn't he in? Why wasn't he in prison for what he did with the jewelry store? Why would he? It be? was an accident. It wasn't. It was under nine hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> it's impossible. It's a jewelry <laughs> store. <laughs> but the the murder happened months before the jewelry store. Oh. Oh, they connected it afterwards. Yes. But yeah. it's a housing crisis. Now, there you go. Yeah. It's a housing crisis. Real estate. Sheriff, last yeah. time we had a conversation here, <clears throat> the only topic that kind of I didn't, I guess I didn't see eye to eye with you on you, was Levy Second Amendment. And Joe. And a few other people, <laughs> I guess. The AR-15 where you said the, uh, you don't see the point of the AR-15. Do you still stand with that? Well... I think someone who has one and possesses one, fine, keep it, cherish it, and which I do. And uh, <laughs> but the point is, if we keep manufacturing them, what is the what is the end game here? Shouldn't be an end game. What do you mean end game? Why should well, there be an end game for any weaponry? For uh, mass murders, are used a, a fraction of the time. I think like four or five percent of the time, it's an AR-15. Typically, it's. It's something else, uh, you know, small, you know, handgun. Is, or a two, two, three, and it's the AR is just a platform. I mean, it could be applied in many mm-hmm. uh, different rounds, but it uh, it facilitates uh, killing. It does in a way that a handgun doesn't. For example, if I have an AR-15 with a 
30 round mag taped together got 60 rounds but that's see here's the thing with the magazine this is california even if you have an ar you're still down to 10 rounds but see, legally that, you're down to 10 rounds right uh, yeah you could say this but you could put a banana clip in a nine is, millimeter too and but here's have 20 rounds you and i are going to be in agreement on this i don't think further uh criminalizing guns itself or any type of thing is of any value because there's enough guns out there the crooks are going to have access to and the crooks are not going to follow any rule no matter what and that's why so, people like me uh, are so against anyone trying to say anything about having ARs because we know we understand that the criminal is not ready mm -hmm. to give it up so if i need one to defend myself i mean if you ask me a shotgun is the best defense weapon inside the home that's what i believe but well, some people don't say prefer, that to levick well that's levick's see here's the thing <clears throat> levick has the right to his own opinion but that's my opinion levick but has at a the star same wars time, sword i i prefer having my ar platforms but I would say, for your purposes, for anyone who's a Second Amendment enthusiast, spend the time denouncing the establishment for not prosecuting people for violating gun laws. Definitely. And it's us like the big, let's not talk about that, like Gascon. He doesn't want to do any enhancements for use of a firearm, which meant every single guy who was doing, you know, strong arm bullying and robbing, hey, now I can do the same no. thing with a gun, See more effective. And I don't face any additional circumstances. But then law, like law-abiding citizens like me that I've never been charged with anything. I don't walk out with a gun in my hand. I don't use my gun towards anybody. Yet I have to pay for someone that mm -hmm. committed a crime. I would rather see that person get punished twice as hard for having a weapon during any type of uh, criminal activity. And Gascon doesn't. That's the problem right there. Same thing with Bonta at the state level. They talk all this game about further restricting gun rights, but for me, it's pointless because we're not going after people who unlawfully use firearms. And that's where our effort needs to be devoted to those people. Yes. No, I, I will agree with you on that. But it's just uh, last time we had the conversation it was about the AR itself. Mm. And to me, to stop production would which like you said the bad guys are still going to have access they're going to have by it. stopping production law-abiding citizens will potentially not have access to it it's just my thing is with the ar <clears throat> platform a lot of, i've i've heard a lot of people say oh why do you need a war a weapon of war i'm like dude if you think anyone is going to war with an ar you're a moron i mean it's just stupidest thing you can think you can't does our military use ars no these M16s. Yes. Of course. That's it's not the same thing. But that's all. a selective switch and a little adjustment. Doesn't take a lot. But here we have California state laws, which prevent. See, to have an AR in California, you need to have a bullet button. You which pretty have much, a dolphin flipper yeah, and a shamu. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> the whale fin. The whale fin. I don't know what it's called, but it doesn't even look like a rifle. It's retarded. You, you, <laughs> don't, you, don't use you, the R word, Edgar. You, you hold it like you would a little baby or something. But here's okay, the thing. I, That's fine. I don't, even I don't pull the trigger. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't even mind having these restrictions. Mm -hmm. But don't take my rights away because someone else abused their rights. As long as I'm keeping to my rights and I'm being a good citizen, I shouldn't be forced to pay for someone else's mistakes. 
in any of it. Well, if you have grandfathered ARs, uh, just hold on to them. I will. I will. Just hold on to them. Because <laughs> you, you were a big advocate for the CCW as well. Yes. yes I believe. I do not believe in grabbing guns, period. Definitely. If you bought it legally, God bless you. Cherish it. Hold on to it. Yeah. Pass it on to your kids. And uh, But let's be smart about what we're producing. Of course. Uh, do you? I've heard, well, theories. I wouldn't say rumors. Theories that, you know, the fact that they've made these CCWs so readily available now over the last few years, it's it's another agenda where they want kind of people to voluntarily register their guns in a sense and get into a system well, where now that doesn't make sense. The department. Since I'm since I was responsible for the CCWs in LA County, I can say no. That no. doesn't make sense to me as a gun owner. Uh, all, all my predecessors <clears throat> had such a, a tight stranglehold on CCWs. Yeah. The only ones who got it were their buddies, the judges, and stuff like that. I wanted to make it accessible for the average person. Yeah. And uh, it worked. We, <laughs> uh, we made it uh, legal in a sense that we made it uh, realistic, the yeah. whole issue about uh, good cause. Good cause. But then yeah. the, the Supreme Court came along and just wiped out the entire argument. So now it's a whole different argument about, you know. Well, yeah, now that with the whole New York case that took place, there is no good cause. It's more of a, you're infringing on my Second Amendment right. You cannot question why I'm getting my CCW. Which, yeah, I get what you mean as far as, um, you know, being a little bit more cautious, but hopefully the background checks, the uh, psychiatric evaluations and the training will take effect as far as who can actually obtain a CCW. And we issued over 4,000 when I was in office. Yes. Which is about almost 4,000 more than all my predecessors combined. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's always a concern about a tackable berry out there, a guy who uses WD-40 as aftershave, but uh, they're harmless. And they're not the ones that are going to be out there, you know, abusing a CCW. Yeah. WD-40. Do you use WD-40? He after uses it as aftershave, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. See, look, he's laughing. That's yeah, he, he, he loses, you got me. You got me. He loses his face and his guns with WD-40. You got me. And, <laughs> and has a deodorant. But I would never, ever use it on my guns, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it's not. have quality for your guns. Oh, it's not. Maybe for myself, but not for my guns. Wow. We we know it's a break for us for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do we have do we have any questions from the viewers that you know is Ed was asking uh since you don't seem to agree or align with any of the Demo democratic parties, the DNC's uh beliefs and policies, why why, why run, run as a as Democrat as instead of Well I'll tell you this, I've been a Democrat my entire life. I registered as a Democrat when I turned 18, and my thought of a Democrat was John F. Kennedy. So you're a Kennedy Democrat. Yes. That's why. Law somebody, and order. Somebody mentioned it. He, he's a, a Robert Kennedy type of candidate. But remember this. Kennedy served his country in World War II. And, yeah, he was born into wealth and all that stuff, but he went to war. He didn't get deferments or any weird stuff like that. Or He went to war got injured seriously in war and came home, served, I think, Senator Massachusetts. But when he was president, he aimed big and delivered. He said, let's put a man on the moon. And he, and he set into motion all the events that led to 1969, six years after his death, there's a guy sitting, you know, standing on the moon. Today, they don't do that. 
they play small ball. It's all about feelings and about blaming other people. It's not about, hey, let's do big things. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, faced with existential threat, Hitler in the Third Reich and all that, the axis of evil back in those days. Holy, that's existential threat. People came together, Democrats, Republicans, they worked together and they achieved big things. Ronald Reagan, Tip O'Neill, two old Irish guys having a beer every Friday and laughing about the antics of the week. We lost that a long time ago. I don't recognize the Democratic Party today, but I do know we need a viable Democratic Party that can speak to the middle of the group. We need a viable Republican Party that can do the same thing. So when you have both voices coming together, you get that proper dialogue and that debate. And also out of that, you're going to have good stuff come out. When it's a one-sided debate or no debate at all, because everything has been preordained, well, now you're going into a totalitarian state. And we just have a, a democracy is, is a joke. You know, it's just a facade. I think the last time America came together as one, where there was no political party involved, and it was just like, you know, like <clears throat> you hear that old country music in the back, the American flag waving, was a 9-11. Yeah. I think that was the last time pretty much where nobody cared about anything besides like being an American and defending well, what yeah, is, but our government used that against us and got us into wars we just did yeah yeah well that, that, that's that's a different story in its own completely yes. yeah it's a completely different they used story that in its against own. us but you know going back to what you were saying you know during Franklin Delano Roosevelt and you know during the Kennedys eras and all that stuff America was run much, much, much differently. Obviously, exactly what you were saying, uh, you know, we've become softer. There was this video on Instagram I viewed. It, it said, you know, back in the 1950s and 1960s, the average high school male, mm -hmm. which you were allowed to say back then, had to do an average of 15 push-ups and 10 pull-ups and 20 sit-ups. You go to high schools nowadays, I mean, it's for a PE teacher to even ask a kid to run, you might offend them. Well, why, why should I run? What if I want to walk? Why should I do a pull-up? Look at me, I'm, I'm overweight. And I think this goes back to kind of, you know, where society is headed with, with these. You know, everybody's glued to these to the point where, you know, the door dashes, the food ordering, the fast food industry, the work environment, everything is kind of very unmobile. And everybody's, instead of getting you know, fit and worrying about their health, they're actually getting wider and larger. Mm -hmm. And you look at some of these kids in high school and middle school nowadays, you know, you look at you like, this is the future of America, whether it's on an emotional level, physical level or mental level. I mean, something's got to change. And uh, with social media in America being run the way it is, uh, I mean, we're, we're practically doomed because in China, it's the complete opposite. You, you, the algorithms there, kids, you know, talking about engineering, talking about architecture, talking about, you know, all these amazing things to brighten them. Whereas here, it's completely dumbing down society. Oh, we're, we're in a rush to fail, a rush to the bottom. Right now, you're right. China and India, middle school, they're starting to see calculus, middle school. Yeah, but they're here they're trying to remove algebra too. Yes. Here, it's all about pronouns and stuff. But... Go back to 1962, Cuban Missile Crisis. There's a wonderful book, Essence of Decision Making. I think the author with Allison. You read through that book and you realize 
holy shit, those people were some smart people that understood the entire thing, the whole thing about game theory and about what they're thinking of what we're doing and this and that. And it was the statesmanship and all the strategy involved and all the behind the scenes back and forth and how they bounced ideas and figure out what was the best way moving forward is because the people that were in all the positions at the time from the president, from the attorney general, from the secretary of state, secretary of defense, all these people were at the top of their game at the right time in history. If that were to happen today, he might as well just embrace a nuclear winner because it's going to be a massive failure. Sheriff, I mean, uh, just like you said, the Democrat Party, where you saw it and where you joined when you were 18, the Democrat Party, unfortunately, we see today, has nothing to do with what you saw as a Democrat. Nothing, but... And yet you stick with them. Because I need to revive that branch of the Democratic Party. I want to see this. So you see, you see there is a chance to save it. There is a chance. Not only do we, is there a chance really? to save it, there's a need to save it. We cannot have parties of the fringes. We need to have parties that can act responsibly, can talk to each other. I've been to groups where they're majority Republican, and I've got standing ovations from that crowd. I want to have a Democrat or a Republican go to a similar Democrat meeting and get a standing ovation. Once do we, we have- get that... We don't have that yet, but I have people volunteering to go to Democratic meetings that are Republican and just to test the waters. When we can do that, that means we can start talking again. Let's say you do test that theory, which I love your idea of it. What is? What do you think is going to happen? Is that Republican going to get the same applause that you got at a Republican party? Hard to say. I can't speak for a group. That, and if you get to see that mm-hmm. and you see the failure of the Democrat party during that experiment let's call it where do you go from there you still have a hope for the democrat party gotta go back to the drawing board here's the thing with the the democrat party is ran by the dnc this is the same party that completely took the presidential nomination from one person that had earned it which it's not like i support bernie sanders but the fact that bernie was doomed Mm -hmm. out of that uh candidacy that was the day I decided that the DNC has there's no saving it. It's it's done. Well, I can't speak. Ship, for, I can't ship. speak for the DNC at the national level, but I can speak with familiarity about the LA County Democratic Party and that apparatus. And I'm I'm focusing here locally because all politics are local. Yes, and I they're the ones that are the ones that put Karen Bass in office, put Luna in office, uh, did that bogus. Uh, let's bring the sheriff up on charges and they had this long list of things to denounce me and they all turned out to be fake every that, single one that's of what them. i'm trying to say the same democratic party that you're running with and you're supporting you have hopes for they've been working against you everywhere but sooner or later they're going to fail and history is not going to be kind to them and right now everyone's looking back at my time in office they're going damn what do we do and uh, like I said, uh, I stand by everything we did. And now is everything is being unveiled more and more. People realize, oh, yeah, we did all the right things for the right reason. We need to get that onto the L.A. County Democratic Party. We need to end that train of corruption that's going on right now. And it's going to be one spot at a time, one position at a time. And uh, people that are getting into public office, we need them to stand up. Stand up. 
step up to the plate and say, hey, no, I'm not here to support corruption or the status quo. If it ain't working, I'm going to say, hey, it's not working. Let's fix it. We don't have that right now. We have a board that doesn't even debate anything. There's no nothing that goes on that advances the public's interest. It's about a continuation of failed policies and basically virtue signaling. That's the entire meeting yeah. of the board. Yeah. In fact, I got a photo that you guys got to see this. This is the board in a nutshell. And this is from uh, one of your favorite uh, supervisors, Janice Hahn. And, uh, but the. Can't wait to meet you, her. You know, she worked in Congress with Karen Bass. <laughs> Let's see what that is. We'll... Peninsula Seniors. Yeah. It's a check, right? To <clears throat> Peninsula Seniors, $10,000. Janice Hahn. Janice Hahn. Whose money do you think? Whose money do you think that is? Happy for that. Oh, this is our taxpayer money. Yep, she's basically bribing different group, community groups with your tax dollars to basically get herself she's reelected. Harvesting votes, in a sense. Mm -hmm. she, Buying knows, votes, she knows so. exactly where to go. And uh, notice where does it say County of LA anywhere in big bright no, letters? No, it doesn't. Do you think she told them? If you look at all of her social media. I gave this group this. I gave that group that. I this. I that. But it's not from her campaign money. It's from no taxpayer money. Your money. Is she allowed to do that? Well, that's kind of one of those things that uh, is. You can't get caught. You want to catch you yourself. Wanna, you want to conduct the audit. Forensic accountant. That's Forensic what the point is. Huh? If there's valid things to do with a budget that supports the community, you do them. But when it's all about packaging it like look at me yeah. well then you're this is just you think the bribery. peninsula seniors actually needed that i no, highly this doubt is, it. This, they, they didn't i don't think they need this that is all money. this is all this is all uh it's all a show i mean i don't know the peninsula seniors but i promise no, you they don't need them. money no, but, but i'll tell you this when you have cities within the fourth district that don't even have 24-hour police coverage because of lack of funds then this kind of takes on a whole new light that's where so, the money's going. Mm -hmm. That's well. That kind of refers back to Matt's question. He was asking. Uh, he has a serious question and a joke question. He says, uh, "How do you suggest homeowners protect themselves from theft? Since it seems like in all cities, even affluent cities or the cities that everybody, you know, dreams of living in, have become infested with theft." Um, how do you what would be your suggestion as far as how do homeowners protect themselves against it well let me give you some a short list of things that they can do to protect themselves one get alarm alarm all right two uh get a dog a patio dog or in-home dog like a small dog or a big dog in the patio alert dog is big dog in home is is real good one that has a very loud bark that you uh, go oh my god that that if, kind of, if you're getting a vibration from the bark, you just don't want to go nearby. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put that. Those, those are the good ones. If the crook looks over your backyard fence and sees basically dog feces the size of grapefruits, okay, that's they, yeah, that's one you want to stop. You want to not go there. Get a big dog. Indoors, outdoors, it doesn't matter as long as they're yeah. able to make noise and deter someone. Don't advertise the contents of your home to the exterior. A big bay window with a big flat screen and all that. It's screaming like, oh, I got money. Yeah. All right. That's an invitation. It's an invitation. Park your Don't, Lambo in the garage. Okay. Yes. Yes. Don't leave valuables 
in your car parked in front of your house. You many reports we take with people, oh, my laptop, or I had a, an envelope with 10000 in cash. It was the rent or this or that or, uh, uh, you know, deposits from my, from my business or my iPhone, iPad, wallet. People, you'd be astonished how many people leave this stuff unlocked in their car in their driveway. Mm. It's amazing. And um, secure your house. You know, have a system where all the doors and all the windows are secured. Have it lighted. Don't have your front of your house covered by shrubbery where you can't see the front of the house from the street. Cameras. Have your name painted. Know your neighbors. So when you're on that fancy vacation in Paris, your lifelong trip for three weeks, and the rider trucks pulls into your driveway week one, your neighbors know, hey, you're not moving. <laughs> call the call the, but you'd be surprised <laughs> oh, well buddy. if you're not too nice to your neighbor <laughs> you they gotta, just tend not to notice the you yeah. gotta know your neighbors yeah. and the same thing how you protect your home you gotta protect your person because especially the baby boom generation they're the one that get ripped off because they have all the money it's not the gen z's it's the baby boomers yeah and you gotta protect one your phone is the biggest way that people get scammed they get text messages, they get emails, they get all this stuff on their phone, and it's all a scam. Yeah. There's no government agency that's going to reach out to you via a phone or an email. Or, None. Or Bitcoin, people. Or, stop, yeah. stop, stop uh, clicking that. those damn links to advert to get free Bitcoin, ladies and gentlemen. Free government, <laughs> federal government only, all government does only two ways to get a hold of you. One, you're going to get a first class mail from, you know, Department of, uh, you know, Elder or uh, whoever it is, Veterans Affairs or uh, Social Security, you'll get a fancy envelope and okay, write that. Same thing with your bank; they contact you via correspondence. Correct, definitely. Unless you log on to your own website from your with your with password, your app and go with your there. app. Okay, you know you're talking to your bank, but that's the only way they get a hold of you. They're not going to send you an yeah. email or a text. Unfortunately, a lot of our citizens don't know, and they fall for these scams. Because yeah, yeah. a scam, they do it 100 times. They only rely on one or two people yeah. to bite, and it pays off. Just yep. like so the sales position. Exact same thing. And same thing on your personal safety. Don't go withdraw money from the bank at 10 at night. Be smart about it. Yeah. Don't do it by yourself, for example. And now with the whole thing with the jugging, there's people waiting, looking to see who's withdrawing money from the bank, who's Falling. the elderly Asian person walking out of the bank with a big envelope in her. You know, they're just asking to be to be robbed. Yeah, and target right the, on them. Yeah, so you got to be careful about what you're doing. That you're telegraphing that you have valuables, yeah. and practice that awareness around you. Same thing with the gas. Don't run out of gas at midnight because you're going to put up in a place you don't want to go to a gas station. Daytime, keep your tank half full or more. Things like that. Yeah. So there's basic things you can do to protect yourself. <clears throat> Young kids, don't go to places by yourself. Young ladies, don't go to parties and then you split up apart. No, stay together. Leave together, come together. Stay together. Well, Sheriff, we want to thank you for taking time out of your Monday to be with us. March 5th is election day, guys. If you haven't registered to vote, register to vote. Your ballots will come in a month before election time. Um we highly, 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 highly recommend that you vote in person. Highly recommend. Uh, if you're not following us on social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, which we're out of Facebook jail now, please do so because we will be putting out a video on how to vote and we'll give you some advice on who to vote for. Um, so that's if you trust. 
Yeah. Well, listen, for five years we've been doing this, and for five years, you know, we've been telling people, you know, this is the direction we need to head in. This is what the direction we need to head in. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've been saying has come to fruition. And it's time to, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately yes. but it's time for a change. And we need everybody to do their civic duty. Register to vote. March 5th is election. If you're not, again, like I said, if you're not following us, follow us. We're going to help. We're going to help a lot of people as far as guidance on how to vote and when, when to turn in your ballots. Uh, Sheriff Alex, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday to be with us again. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you back on when you're LA County Supervisor. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's uh, what we'll see next. Guys, today's episode will be up and running on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, all major platforms tomorrow. We want you guys to have a great week. Have a great weekend. Happy Halloween. Be safe out there. Uh, take a flashlight with you. Um, I mean, what else can I say? Flashlight. Well, of course. I mean, you got to tell. Well, you're not going to wear those orange jumpsuits and walk around, but uh, stay in the group. Be safe out there. Enjoy Halloween with the family. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.